105, Sirius 206, the Opie and Anthony Channel. The Ron and Fez Show starts right now. You're gonna get your wish. 
Let's get down to it, Bopper. It's Friday. Black Friday. Thank you very much to the Ohio Players who wrote that song exclusively for the Ren and Fez show. It's called Fire. And what a day we have today. Because this is the last Friday. Before we get to Freaky Friday before the Super Bowl. This is the last time you're going to feel at ease. That's it. You know, have a nice, easy weekend. Get plenty of liquids. Pro Bowl. Sleep late. Ignore the Pro Bowl. uh, Watch whatever TV shows are coming on Sunday night. Forget there's some new ones out there. Because come Monday, the pressure's going to start mounting. Oh, Jesus. It's going to be too much for some people, I think. It's going to be too much for everybody. This is going to be the biggest Super Bowl of all time. If you're from Boston... Or New England. This is the revenge you need. And if you're from New York... What's up? You've been up top so long. How do you even know what it feels like to drop back down again? Never gonna happen. Today, we will come up uh, with the bet uh, that's going to go on between Chris Stanley and... Mark Zito. Mark Zito raised to be a Patriots fan. And Chris That's Stanley, right. of course, all Giants from Story of Queens. A-Town. Home of the Jets. That's right. Let's ignore them for right now. But that's where you're from. You're from Jets country. Oh, definitely. Queens is Jets country. Yeah. But you didn't. You were a Giants guy even as a kid. Yeah. That's what my dad lost all his money on. It's beautiful to hear that. <laughs> uh, so that's going now. I think both Zeets and Hicks, when they go for their sporting news, are always going to listen to the number one sports journalist, the number one sports broadcaster. And that's, that's not me saying that. That's iTunes. This is the number one independent uh, sports broadcaster today. And how he works is from a neutral zone. Um you know, it's all about, you know, Dave sees this as X's and O's. Where you guys are all caught up in whether or not your hometown is going to win. That's right. Dave looks at the art of it. The business of sports. I'm talking about Eastside Dave from Eastside Dave Country. Now, if you go over to the iBang, Dave lays out the X's and the O's right now. You're going to get a behind-the-scenes look of exactly what people are thinking and talking about. Now, if I looked at the New England New England Patriots, up to this point, I would have said the strength of that team is Tom Brady. But I don't have Dave's sports mind. I don't have his insights. Obviously, I don't have his connections. And he's put together a different way. So before you put your bets on, you may want to check up this uh, video. It's on Eastside Dave Country. You can link it from the iBang. Uh, and I believe Chris Stanley is also there as Dave is coming up with his ideas. Mm-hmm. Here's the forecast. Forget Tom Brady. 
Rose in the Super Bowl. Eli Manning and Antrell Rose gonna win. Yeah, dominate, baby. Gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. That's right. Lawrence Times, chicken in your face. Yeah. Tom Coffin, give it some bass. Bob Dylan said, gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. Tickle me, Elmo, no, tackle me, OC. Belichick, Brady, all pussy and pussy. Giants, Cape Fear, Eli's Max Katie, gonna ruin your vote. Badly, Tom Brady. Break it down, Roy Schaefer. David Mac Sports Program. Subscribe on iTunes, Daddy, and listen on Sirius XM. Wyclef John is from fucking Hades. Gonna Fuji your shit. Tom Brady. Pirate says, Ahoy, matey. Gonna watch the plank and fuck you, Tom Brady. With the giant, Sam Coleman is 80. Fucking dagger your ass, Tom Brady. Woo! Yes! David Mac Sports Program. You know what time it is. I think that we could all agree that we will run this once in an hour until we're at Super Bowl time to keep us up for it. Yeah, that's great. That goes without saying because we need the insight. How come all the good songs this playoff season are against the Patriots? That Tim Tebow's fire. I like that. I like this song. I think it's super catchy, and yet I love Tom Brady, so I feel bad listening to it, but yet I enjoy the shit out of it. There are no other songs. And by the way, the video may even be better than the song. It is the most comfortable group of people I've ever seen (laughs) in my life. It almost looks like each person in the group is wearing a sleeping bag. (laughs) What am I doing talking? we got to do it fucking again. Uh, Eastside Dave is got a song that's sweeping the nation right now. He calls it Forget Tom Brady, and yet I never hear that phrase anywhere. Mm-mm. I guess because you can't put that up on fucking YouTube. Well, i got to keep it a little friendly. If you friendly. put fuck Tom Brady or <laughs> red flagged or whatever. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's frowned upon. All right, let's do a smash your trash here. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. This is Forget Tom Brady. In the Super Bowl, Eli Manning and Antrell Rose gonna win. Yeah, dominate, baby. Gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. That's right. Lawrence Times, chicken in your face. Yeah. Tom Coffin, give it some face. Bob Dylan said, gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. Tickle me, Elmo, no, tackle me, OC. Belichick, Brady, all pussy and pussy. Giants, Cape Fear, Eli's Max Katie, gonna ruin your boat. Tom Brady. Break it down, Roy Schaefer. Come on. It's the David Mac Sports Program. Subscribe on iTunes, Daddy. And listen on Sirius XM. Wyclef John is from fucking Haiti. Gonna Fuji your shit. Tom Brady. Pirate says, Ahoy, matey. Gonna watch the plank and fuck you, Tom Brady. With a giant, Sam Coleman is 80. Fucking dagger your ass. In New York, uh, Eastside Dave Country laying it down. That's right. Forget Tom Brady. Let's go over here to Sean in Alabama. You're on Ronnie Fez. Hey, Ronnie. Hey, that's a smash. That's better than the Super Bowl shuffle, and I like Bob Seger on the backups for that. Bob Seger, and you can see, I don't know how Dave got him. I don't know how Dave got 
comfortable Bob Seger on there. But as you watch the video, um, I am trying to learn all the moves. Is this some good dance moves? It seems like it's a thrusting yeah, into like, the ass yeah. move. Okay, so it's like I have an ass in front of me, Tom Brady and then ass. I'm thrusting, Fuck Tom but Brady. angry. Yeah. Angry, not like in a, oh, I love you, Tom Brady, but no, I'm here to humiliate you, Tom yeah, Brady. Make you look like a bitch, Tom uh, Brady. James, James, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, buddy. Yeah. I love it. Uh, Alright, people are saying smash... There's, uh, here's, uh, Dan, Dan in Florida, you're on Fez. Hey, buddy, that's a fucking smash. Everything that guy does is fucking gold. How serious let him go is a travesty. I love fucking Davey Mac, and it makes me miss him really bad. Smash, man, smash. Well, you don't have to miss him. You can listen to him every Saturday night, and then, of course, download him on iTunes. Yeah, iTunes. Where, that's true, uh, that's true. Peace pe out. yeah, uh, people are just saying, this sports show is the one that's listened to by the, the gamblers out there, mm -hmm. the betters. That's right, come on. And I'm talking about the fucking whales. Mm -hmm. And here, all this time, and Zito, I'm sure you, you've made the same mistake when you thought the strength of this team is Tom Brady. Apparently not. And I feel like an asshole because Hicks and I have our bet coming up and now he has this insider information like he's hanging out with Dave. I got the fucking anthem. Um, Gunner, you're on running Fez. That's definitely a smash, because that's how he does it. Well, how how he does it exclusively, the <laughs> copyrighted material of J.B. Smooth. Um, let's go over here to Dave. Dave, you're on running Fez. Hi, Ronnie. Hey, listen, uh, it's a smash, and my favorite line is, Daphne Coleman is 80. That came out of nowhere, and I love it. I like that line, but of course I like the Cape Fear line yeah. a lot, so I'm trying not to replay this. But I notice that I don't want to hear anything but. So I think you can listen to it at this point, Super Bowl time. It is. I mean, to me, this is the beginning of the Super Bowl. When you've got an anthem to play. Mm -hmm. The only problem is, where's the flag? I mean, we're bringing out the video and no flag. Um, let's go over here to, uh, um, Brian. Brian, you're on Fez. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and give it a smash because I think, uh, Pepper Hicks has got the, uh, potential to become the best hype man since Flavor Flav. Loved it. Was that your role in this, hype man? Pretty much, yeah. And plug whore. Well, you, yeah, you, the, <laughs> which you decided to do in a dialect. No, it's we're um, hip-hop in this thing. What? <laughs> that was the hip-hop voice. All right. Now... Let me just read this, though, from Dr. Freedom Sauce. Okay, Freedom Sauce. I feel Doctor. bad for Hick's girlfriend. He humps like he's on a rowing machine. Now, I don't think so. Why is my girlfriend being brought into this? Well, because of the thrusting moves. Those are this is dance moves. This I say. But I thought we were as if that was Tom Brady's <laughs> ass we were aidingly raising. <laughs> um, I enjoy the shot of Tom Brady in the halter top. It's very good production values. Yeah. Tim, you're on Running Fez. Hey, Davey Melch, the pride of New Jersey. That song's fucking great. That faggot is funny, isn't he, Fez? Uh, let's go over here to uh, Jeff. Jeff, you're on Running Fez. Hey, buddies, the song is great, but I like how it's typical four middle-aged white guys have to do the 80s styles rap. It's like my dad doing an impression of rap. I am not middle-aged. Now, Jeff, of course, is from Massachusetts. Well, you're not middle-aged, but your heart is. Now... And even from a guy from Mass, he's saying, I still love it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's up on the iBank. It's, uh, I guess, also uh, on the YouTube or yeah, Eastside Dave, Dave Country dot com. Doesn't matter where you go for this. You're all going to end up at the same place. Admiration. That's right. It's Admiration stuck in your brain forever. Uh, not a single person out there has a problem with this. Uh, Dan, Virginia, you're on a fez. Uh, yeah, I just want to say it's every bit as good as Hicks is humming. Uh, Scott, you. you're on my fez. Way better than your humming. Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Smash. The new team is born, David Tapp. Uh, here's our buddy, Tom and Madison. I don't think there's anything Davey Mack is doing these days that's not gold, Ronnie. That well, is unbelievable. I would, just his taxes. That's the only thing he does poorly. Because he told me he was getting back $780,000. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. He said, if I would just, you know, hang around for a while, we're all going to be partying. Uh, Blake, you're on Ronnie Fez. Ronnie, I'm really excited about the football game, and, uh, you know, the song is great, but they, Daytona 24 is tomorrow. It's the 50th anniversary. Let's not miss out on that. It's great racing. So this is the beginning of, wait a minute, when's the 500? I don't care about the 500. I don't know. It's a little bit later. But yeah, that's the week after Super Bowl. That starts it all out for me and ends it. I watch the Daytona 500, and when that's over, that ends my racing experience for the year. It's the only race that matters. It's just enough. It's good. It's almost like first game of the season is the Super Bowl. <laughs> if the NFL did that, if opening weekend was the Super Bowl, and then you could go back and you didn't have to watch all the games and worry about what happened. Um, Jake, you're on the fence. That's total smash. I think uh, I think he's the one award of some kind. But uh, the stare like dance move one. So he's pretty good on his feet for a big kid. He really, you are soft on your feet. Thank you. Um, I'm nimble. Training? Oh, I went to SUNY Purchase. It was a dance school. I had no idea that. Yeah. I gave tours of the dance building. How did those go? Uh, I was told, uh, I read some of the reviews of my tours. Um, Tour guide should know more about this college. <laughs> should uh, dress better. <laughs> Same reviews I give you right now. Oh, God. He wants there goes the cough. Fucking purchase um, for some reason. How was your breakfast today? Oh, delish. And I got a little something left over if you'd like a Danish. Oh, I do. I do. Where are the uh, Danishes at? Fred. Bring in the dashes. They're behind the monitor. I hid them. Oh, what Good the thinking. <laughs> now, now he's trying to steal them from. He's attacking the intern for a Danish. Just give me one. <laughs> no, good, Fred. <laughs> UCB Fred, who? Uh. All right. First of all, I've heard of a basket of Danish, but this came in an Easter basket. This is not a <laughs> restaurant basket of Danish. Uh, I find it odd that there's hearts on the on the basket. Yes, but you know, hey, the Danish. All right, this looks very local deli. If I'm going to be totally honest with you, here, not um, the smooth, flaky uh, Danish that would be impressive. There's so many great bakeries in town. Seems, seems like you guys. Are you're not missing anything. But, I mean, it's just I'd like to just try it for myself. It seems like you guys have a lot of Danishes in there. Maybe you could spare one. They're all for Hicks. Maybe Hicks could spare one. If that's true, maybe he is trying to kill Hicks. <laughs> yeah. let's, hear, let's rock out a little bit. Right. Peace, Dave. 
in the Super Bowl. Eli Manning and Antrell Rose gonna win. Yeah, dominate, baby. Gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. That's right. Lawless times, chicken in your face. Yeah. Tom Coughlin, give it some bass. Bob Dylan said, gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. Tickle me, Elmo, no, tackle me, O.C. Belichick, Brady, all pussy and pussy. Giants Cape Fear, Eli's Max Katie, gonna ruin your boat. Badly, Tom Brady. Break it down, Roy Schaefer. David Mac Sports Program. Subscribe on iTunes, Daddy, and listen on Sirius XM. Wyclef Johnny's from fucking Haiti. Gonna fuji your shit. Tom Brady. Pirate says, Ahoy, matey. Gonna watch the prank and fuck you, Tom Brady. With the Giants, Stabney Coleman is 80. Fucking dagger your ass, Tom Brady. Woo! Yeah! David Mac Sports Program. You know what time it is. I honestly say this beats the shit out of that whole black and yellow, black and yellow thing Fuck that we went shit. through a couple years ago. Oh my god, constantly. I think it's better than the shuffle, too. Oh yeah, it's better than anything. I'm going to go this far. It's better than Hey Jude. Wow, that's a compliment. It's better than Sweet Child of Mine. It's better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Not better than Hey Jews, though. Um, let's go over here to Nate in Maine. Of course, he's a Patriots fan. Let's see how they're in on this song. Hey, buddies, Davey Mac turned me. I just burned my fucking Brady jersey. That's right. I went across town to pick up a Giants jersey, baby. I have never heard of a song so good that it would turn people away from the three-time champions. That's right. They realize that Tom Brady... Or the three, almost four-time champions, as they like to call themselves. Too fucking bad. Ugh. Here, let me see that basket to see if there's anything left stale in there. I don't know whether anyone here has ever been to an actual bakery. But A, this is not any kind of basket that you would get from a bakery. And B, these could not be called baked goods. Did, did you... What they could be called anchors. There's no problem with that name for it. A little dry. Did you bring the basket yourself to the deli, Fez? I had to. They didn't have a basket, so I had to grab one on the way. Well, wherever you got the basket, you should have rolled up some of those and called them Danish. Um, let's uh, go over here to Corey. Corey, you're on a Fez. It's a new Super Bowl standard for Davey. He's throwing down the ones and twos like two live crew, right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Robert, you're on a Fez. Hey, yeah. buddy. I, I got a, uh, I like Tom Brady, but uh, I like Davey Mack more. I'm going to give it a smash. And hey, was that Soundboard Fez chiming in 20 minutes into the show? Uh, no, that was not Soundboard Fez. That was the actual Fez Watley. Garth, you're on run of Fez. Danish basket, basket Fez. <laughs> hey, folks. Hey, you're dude, a ball buster. Eastside's the best, man. He needs to get a phone call from fucking Matt and Trey. We need to get, we need to get Matt and Trey Parker from South Park. Uh, that fucking video. So why would he, uh, why would he limit himself? Why would he limit himself to Matt and Trey when he's got a, a, a song way bigger than they've ever had before? Gigantic. Uh, over on the iBang, so many people are quickly joining in on the comment thread there. 
And it's nothing but love, Pepper. Oh, thank God, because this Tom Brady. This song exposes Tom Brady as the fucking hole in the Patriots' whole fucking team. Uh, what to get fucked? It is. He is the problem. He's forget Tom Brady. I didn't even realize that. Yeah, I was thinking him. you can't beat Tom Brady. Mm mm. All right, Alex says a redheaded smash, and this is a new character being played by Radio Shark. Ah! <laughs> he hung up. Fucked Fuck up. You. Fuck the shit out of you, Radio Shark. Um, let me read what some of these folks are saying over here on the iBang, where they seem to be just going mad for this song. Um, is Pep drinking crunk juice out of a giant's grill? <laughs> Maybe. Um... Hicks had the best backing vocals since Sting appeared on Money for Nothing. I want my SD. Oldest Giants clothing ever. Let's do it. Smash. Smash. Love it. Smashed. Um, they have to work blue. You could have gotten a wide release. It's just true, though, dude. Um, I want really wanted the Raiders to get Brady, but now I want G-Men to break Brady in two because of this video. That's right. Greatest Super Bowl song ever. I agree. Uh, Dave on lead vocals, Roy Schaefer on the keys, <laughs> and Pepper Hicks is the, yeah, backup hype man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. New York, what's up? <laughs> Make some fucking noise I hope they take the field to this God that'd be great They're more than welcome to it Gotta get this to Coughlin They're more than welcome to it <laughs> At least play it during practices <laughs> um, Smash That was unexpected Fucking drop in there We're fucking dropping bombs on you We're blowing your mind right open Dave seems to kind of be into OC too. OC Minora in the video. He's into everything. On, you know baby. what I mean? He brings yeah. in everything. Giants fans. Uh, speaking of Giants fans, here's a guy who needs that song because he's going to be worried all week. Card Rag Jenny. Fucking huge smash. Do you want the Giants shirts up to put up? I'm thinking rock? I want to buy everyone's pants, <laughs> and I may want Pepper to shave his beard, and I want to put that up. That would be fantastic. And put up, like, Pepper's pants and beard together. And that tiny little helmet. Um, that was my crunk juice. That's what I want to, and we'll fill it with, we'll just continually have it filling with crunk juice. Like one of those, you know, the beer mugs that they sell at, like, Spencer's that have the beer coming out into the mug? Oh, yeah. continue, that's what we would do. Your crunk juice would continuously be flowing. I, I'm not really all that familiar with the Spencer's gift pack, but... <laughs> Come on, to go to Spencer's. For, it's the best. I great, seriously. Great walking around in there. I haven't I been to Spencer's place. since Reagan was president. <laughs> I like Liam. That's <laughs> the best. They're in Hot Topic, so my two favorite stores. Um... All right, Johnny. So you feel good about this? Oh, I love it. In fact, I, I maybe I'm going to try to play it for a few Giants today. 
I can find them. I'll try to find a few New York Giants. I think Do I may, have, may see a few here sometime today at the Hard Rock for something. So maybe I'll play it on our video system for it. Or the other thing is as I go today to pick up my Super Bowl tickets, maybe I'll have it on my – like when I'm going up to get my tickets at the table, I'm going to just put my phone down yeah. and I'm going to hit play and I'm going to play it for the people who work for the Giants and <laughs> yeah. see if they think that it could be like an anthem. Exactly. Thank you, Johnny. Yeah, I, I mean, if try. this thing – that's how things go viral. you got to get the germs into their noses. That's right. Infect yeah. their brains. That's what I think I'm going to try to do for you guys. All right, my man. All right, Peace. boys. Have a good weekend. Now, I got to tell you, Fez and I have been on the air for every Super Bowl since Packers Chiefs. And I have never heard a song this fucking strong. Around the fucking box. It's right off. And it's happening and people are loving it. This is a 100% smash. I don't think that's ever happened. Uh, Phil, you're on my Fez. Uh, what's up, Ronnie B? It's a huge smash. Jesus has five letters. Davey has five letters. Coincidence? I think not. Uh, let's go to our buddy ECW Zombie. Smash, smash, smash. Until I spray zombie tears on your face, pussy. After she leaves two-time loser, Tom Brady. Hey, that, Ronnie B? Oh, it's all there, bro. It's all there. The excitement level is through the roof for this song. It's amazing. Um, let's go over here to uh, Ben. Ben, you're on fest. Ronnie, yeah. love the video. Awesome. I love how Dave got Silent Bob in there. That's great. Uh, George, you're on the Run fest show. Yeah, the, the song is great, but I would check out the video. It's the best thing ever. Everyone needs to stop listening right now and go over and watch the video. All right, you're more than welcome, everybody, to go over and watch the video. Uh, it's on the iBang right now. That'll link you right in to uh, Dave's thing. What's really funny here is if you live around the country, you can't believe that these guys are doing this above Times Square. <laughs> I mean, I can't even imagine what office space is there. Oh, it's it's totally insane. The, the fucking money that those guys pay is, is ridiculous. Um, Steve, Steve, you're on Ronnie Fez. The team ain't gonna win, and I don't mean baby, cause don't you know the Giants gonna fuck Tom Brady? It's Giants time in the Super Bowl. Eli Manning and Antrell Rose gonna win. Yeah, dominate, baby. Gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. That's right. Lawrence Times, chicken in your face. Yeah. Tom Coffin, give it some bass. Bob Dylan said, gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. Tickle me, Elmo, no, tackle me, Ose. Belichick, Brady, all pussy and pussy. Giants Cape Fear, Eli's Max Katie, gonna ruin your boat. Badly, Tom Brady. Break it down, Roy Schaefer. Into David Mac Sports Program. Subscribe on iTunes, Daddy, and listen on Sirius XM. Why Clive John is from fucking Haiti? Gonna Fuji your shit. Tom Brady, Pyrex says, Ahoy, matey! Gonna watch the plank and fuck you, Tom Brady! With a giant, Daphne Coleman is 80! Fuck it, dagger your ass, Tom Brady! Woo! Yeah! Baby Mac Sports Program, you know what time it is! Uh, people writing, Dave is the shit, and Hicks dancing makes me wet. I'll smash, You're but, welcome. Why, but why is Dave crossing the street with no shoes on? Come on, dude, you know his favorite band. <laughs> Jesus. Look, think about it. Odds. Even I know that. Uh, 
Pepper Cole, Dave, not so much. At least he likes the Giants. Oh, you're crazy, Ron Paul. Everybody in that fucking video is cool. It's fucking cool, kids club. Please uh, play Fez Gets Pissed at the Intern for the thousandth time to wash just out of my ears. Fuck you, Cello 700. Go to hell. Peppy Hamburger, getting the love. I'm a good dancer. You are quite the dancer. Thank you. Um, Paul, Paul, you're on Fez. What's up, fellas? Pepper, absolute smash. Question, any copyright infringement if I make this my ringtone on my cell phone? Go right ahead. I want to pass this fucker along. Yeah, who's going to stop you? Um, let's go over here to Charlie. Charlie, what do you got? Ronnie, I'm very conflicted. I'm I'm pulling for the Pats. I hate the Giants, but this is the greatest song I've ever heard in my life. Eastside Dave, as we know, is the greatest. Pepper Hicks, you know, I'm going on and on. I feel like the song makes me want to root for the Giants. What, what do I do? This is the most amazing thing that you hear. How many Pats fans love this song? And I'm not going to stop playing it until somebody hates it. Beautiful. Until finally somebody hates it, then I'll stop. It's Giants time in the Super Bowl. Eli Manning and Antrell Rose gonna win. Yeah, dominate, baby. Gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. That's right. Lawrence Times, chicken in your face. Yeah. Tom Coffin, give us some bass. Bob Dylan said, gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. Tickle me, Elmo, no, tackle me, Ocean. Belichick, Brady, all pussy and pussy. Giants Cape Fear, Eli's Max Katie, gonna ruin your boat. Badly, Tom Brady. Break it down, Roy Schaefer. David Mack Sports Program. Subscribe on iTunes, Daddy, and listen on Sirius XM. Wyclef John is from fucking Haiti. Gonna fuji your shit. Tom Brady. Pirate says, Ahoy, matey. Gonna watch the plank and fuck you, Tom Brady. With the giant, Stanley Coleman is 80. Fucking dagger your ass, Tom Brady. Woo! Yeah! David Mack Sports Program. You know what time it is. Greatest song of all time now. Uh, making Patriots fans... Convert. Convert. I mean, Zeech grew up a Patriots fan, but you love the song. I think it's phenomenal. It's very catchy. I was actually walking, found myself walking around my apartment last night. I was going, fuck you, Tom Brady. And then I was like, no, Brady. wait. I love Tom Brady. Fuck um, Eli Manning. Here, let's go over here to uh, John. John, go ahead, buddy. Smash it like anything Pepper Hicks is part of. It is friggin' greatness. Now, John is from Mass also. That's right. John is another guy from Massachusetts. He loves the song. The Mass Holes are turning on their own fucking team. I had no idea until now that Tom Brady was the weak link. That's right. This fucking song's blowing this shit wide open. That's what makes his, his Dave do a great sports show. That's right. He's got the insight. Uh, here's Brad. Brad, you're on a fez. Hey, I'm a huge Pats fan. Grew up in Massachusetts. Gotta say, Smash. A huge Pats fans, and he's calling it Smash. Mike, you're on Fez. Guys, I'm a huge Pats fan. Also, this is an unqualified Smash. Great, greatest thing ever. Mike, where are you coming from? Boston. Gee, it's unbelievable it. to me. 
It's unbelievable to me. They're all coming over to our side. I've never even heard of anything like this before. It's fucking nuts. It's insane. Uh, Todd, you're on a fez. The consistency of Eastside Babe to suck his entire life is the only thing that's impressive about that guy. Uh, I don't know what he meant. Yeah. I don't know. Was, I guess that was a smash. Yeah, that's smash. Yep. I guess, you know what? I mean, we're just about to play the goddamn thing again because so many people are giving it a smash. You can't get enough of it. Uh, Greg, you're on Run of Fez. Hey, well, this is playing up mass. How you doing, buddy? Hey, what do you say? I say, fuck that red-headed weak tie. Oh, fuck oh, you. Go to hell. Giant. Fuck it's you. Trash. Fuck it's you. You're trash. trash. Suck some cock. Suck some cat. Suck the fucking cock in Boston, you prick. Fuck you. And fuck Tom Brady. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fucking Davey's gonna end up just... Go to hell. Well, he got fucking beat by Eastside fucking Llama. That's how he's gonna feel after we kick Oh, you dominated that fucking thing. He made he made the whole fucking show, you jerk off. Go to hell. Fuck off. No, fuck you, Pepper. No, fuck you. Pepper dicks. You like this? Oh, no, you got me, asshole. You got me. Oh, no. Oh, what am I going to fucking do? Go drink yourself to death, you fucking douchebag from fucking Boston. You prick. You're going to fucking lose on the Super Bowl, and you're going to fucking goddamn kill yourself, and I'm going to fucking love it. All right, Pat. Pepper. Yes? You've got a lot of time before the Super Bowl. I don't want you redlining too soon. You've got to slowly amp yourself Why? up. He's attacking the song. I think you're going to have an aneurysm. The song might blow. I don't know. No, I mean, I thought it was great. <laughs> smash. But this last guy's turning me around a little bit. I mean, is a smash a good thing, or are you breaking the song? <laughs> no, smash is a good thing. All right. Expansion <laughs> records. Yeah, that would be bad. No, it's good. Because it's, it's better than all the other records. I mean, his Boston accent's got me rethinking this whole thing. Oh, don't ever pay attention to a Boston accent. Um, here's uh, Dan in Foxborough. Yo, Ronnie, I'm at Gillette Stadium right now on the 50-yard line with that song on my iPod, just doing touchdown dances. Fuck Tom Brady. People, you there know. You That's what I like to hear. Uh, here's Tom in Boston. You're on my face. Hey, Ronnie B, man, I'm born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. I'm a huge Pats fan. I love that song. Hard for me to believe. <laughs> You're born and raised there. 100%, I believe that. Here's uh, Miles. Sky, buddy. Man, I'm a diehard Packers fan, and I can say I am so happy that the Packers shit the bed against the Giants, because if they hadn't, we never would have got this fucking fabulous song, man. You know what? It's a really good point, and I think around the... Fourth quarter of that game is when Dave decided he was a big Giants fan again. That was a very fantastic game. And sure, there were doubts at the beginning of the season. Do you have any doubts right now? No. Team of Destiny. This and, is how it was supposed to play out. And Zietz, you're a little more nervous as a Pats fan. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember his. I'm a student of history. If that's mm. a thing. Student of history. I remember what happened four years ago when I was extra confident, and this team is not even as good as that team. Now, do I still think they're going to win? Yeah, but I'm not walking around like these asshole Giants fans acting like it's in the bag. Fuck Tom Brady. Hold on, we've got Tom Brady on the on the air right now. Oh. Uh, and I know he's gone for his fourth ring. Of course, this is his fifth time to a Super Bowl. 
Tom Brady, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. How are you, Ronnie? Good. I gotta say, this song is a smash. Um, I was pretty confident about winning the bowl coming up here next week, but I gotta say, fuck me. EastsideDave.com rules. Oh, come on, Tom. Let him. I mean, it's his show. Tease knows what he's doing. If Thanks. he, if this song makes him want to fuck himself, that's up to him. Good for you, Tom Brady. Uh, you can see this up on the iBang. Now, yesterday on the iBang was, uh, Quite frankly, an exciting day because the listeners and readers uh, ran with the ball themselves. Ran with the ball in a way that even our team couldn't. Uh, and Sundra, they called Louis what? Because this is what People Magazine said in their TV section. Uh, Where they said this, Louis C.K., who has the round, unsmiling face of a cold pancake that's never known a syrup's love, perfected his bleak, neurotic blend of comedy in season two. Never heard of such a poetic review uh, in my life. Bizarre. Hold on, I think we got the wrong plug out on something. Let me check. Is this up on the iBang.com? Uh, and it's under the They Called Louis What section. Uh, bring in um, UCB Fred for me, would you? See, Fred, get fucking here. <sighs> See what I mean? You're already so amped up right now. I gotta fucking tone it down, maybe. UCB Fred, as you know, and I think it's like your kind of improv group things, have started to perfect reading things aloud. And I thought we'd give that uh, a chance. We're going to give out somebody who can do their best kind of People Magazine poetry uh, into this, uh, and they can review any show in history. So I thought, as a team, we would all take a chance... Read it, and then uh, we'll pick the winner. So, um, the winner of this, by the way, uh, gets a pretty goddamn cool prize. That's the Matrix DVD, signed by Joey Pants. So, everybody grab a list. I'll start us off here, and we'll read through these. And these are all done in the People Magazine style that they gave to uh, Louie. But about any show in the world. The relationship shared by Dan and Roseanne Connor feels like a luxurious Corinthian leather couch, but it looks like a urine stained mattress found on the corner of 6th and 148th. Full House, the modern day family akin to a western omelette filled with cheese, onions, peppers, and hams has never seen the business end of a salt shaker, yet attempts to make us laugh in an unsettling way. The uneasy viewer immediately senses something amiss beneath the alchemy of the psyche in which the privileged insolence suppressed lesbianism, insatiable fast food appetite, and roller skates as radical equalizers conspire against a fragile, superficial, sunny backdrop, concealing the menace 
crouching just outside the stately gates of Eastland. The dystopian, distorted future awaiting our spirit now damage innocence. And what of Mrs. Garrett? Pardon the interruption. Intriguing banter between two <laughs> reporters whose insight to the world of professional sports gives the layman the view of sports that can be compared to a pizza with half pepperoni and half extra cheese. Good for all. With the irreverent yet motivating opening line that brings to the mind the works of a modern-day Shakespeare, this series opens us up to a new utopian world where anyone can become king. Fish don't fry in the kitchen. Beans don't burn on the grill. Truer words have never been spoken, says I. Zeets, would you pick one up? Roseanne was the perfect mix of skillet cheeseburger mac and the wafting aroma of an overused litter box. Hard on the senses, yet comforting like home at the same time. Claire Danes' performance is the manic and sorrowful protagonist in Homeland finally knits your left and right brain together and licks the plate of your soul clean. I love Lucy. Her crimson hair burns the screen like autumn leaves on the horizon. A beacon of comedic hope in an otherwise dismal landscape filled with sardonic archetypes. Bored to death, leaving us screaming in a dark, soundproof room, wondering what answers there are to her faded detective, Jonathan Ains, current incestuous romantic dilemma with Mrs. Borat. And finally, part Oscar Wilde, part Bill Lee, Sam's wit is sharpened by a two-sided whetstone, the palpable sexual tension with the highbrow Diane, and the ill-starred irony of existing as a recovering alcoholic who makes his living as the proprietor of a saloon. Zeus actually started to lose his voice there now. He was getting raspy and raspier, almost big girl. Really By the time he was done. I couldn't breathe. Uh, Hicks, you're next. <clears throat> the Suck Lord felt as familiar and uncomfortable as your best friend's hipster flannel. A PBR-stained reminder of modern man's need to drape himself in mediocrity while presenting a tartan-clad middle finger at the mainstream. Whitney Cummings is a sweet-throated siren luring unsuspecting child surfers to the rocky, unforgiving shores of her alleged comedy stylings, realizing as they crash that they've been seduced by a shallow vixen with all the personality of a fart, instantly whisked away by the brisk mist of the sea. Sneakers shuffle and lockers slam as the watchful eye of Mr. Belding scans the halls of Bayside High School. The fair females pass, their stonewashed Jordash jeans dampened, in all the right places by the hijinks of an Aryan prankster and his hazel-skinned cohort. A2 Screech. It's all right. It's all right. Saved by the bell? Indeed. The overtly diverse, Banton-esque cast of Barney Miller engages the audience with off-morose, seldom-verbose, and consistently witty banter. All the while, the normalcy of the cosmopolitan 1-2 constituency comes to bear through the Selborne Habitus that pepper the heroes work a day and, re and reflects the conflicts of orders ever present in modernity at large. David Cross's one joke metronome, the increasingly poor decisions of Todd Margaret, pounds your funny bone into giggle shards as he leads you along an impossibly escalating series of catastrophic lies towards jocular annihilation. 
Uh, Fez, you go next. Masterpiece Classics whisk us to downtown Abbey, where posh meets rural, where elegance reigns, where incest is encouraged, ranked with class warfare. So drink your Earl Grey and prepare for the Blitzkrieg. Tis downtown Abbey. A talented architect slowly constructs the scaffolding around a masterful tale of romance, suffering the slings and arrows of modern city life with his best friend, a gay actor come heterosexual sidekick Barney Stinson, backstroking through a sea of ethyl alcohol to arrive at their next adventure in womanizing each burning romantic missive while leaving you begging the protagonist to please, please, tell us how you met your mother. Deputy with a round in his pocket. There will never be a firefight. Aunt B loving Andy and Opie with all of her might. All set in a town with nary a negro in sight. With the subtlety of a gorilla in a maternity ward, Dennis Franz, Detective Andy Sipowitz, shoots curses and moons his way into our living rooms every Tuesday night. We would be unwise to resist his arresting personality. Fred. A group of sad and lonely octogenarians try to comfort each other in the face of an unrelenting opponent, death, in the new hit comedy, Golden Girls. Arrested Development, the TV dinner that never had its plastic pulled off, so the rest of America will never know how great this Salisbury steak is. Eastbound and down has the robust momentum of an oversized truck tire rolling down the mountain of a Hispanic countryside, only to realize its fate of splashing into the lake of popularity. The, psych the psyche collides, stranded on a lone tectonic pimple, where lush green lives, and the professor strives to create, invent, concoct, survive, release. Men butt heads over Dukes of Daisy and Starlet Fantasies, while an uncle of a leader holds on to his hat, baffled by a daily orangutan hijinks of a soft-boiled, child-eyed swab. Gilligan's Island, three and a half stars. Mark Lynn Baker and Bronson Pinchot urge you to wipe away the fog from the window that is season two and peer into the next door neighbor's yard to find out what the gang is up to. Where the discount store in the rearview mirror and the Chicago Chronicle visible up ahead? Larry, Balky, Jennifer, and Marianne beg you, don't be ridiculous. And tune in on Fridays at 9 p.m. Perfect Strangers? TGIF indeed.
listening to David Mack's sports program. Subscribe on iTunes, Daddy, and listen on Sirius XM. Wyclef John is so fucking hated. Gonna fuji your shit. Tom Brady, Pirate says, Ahoy, matey. Gonna watch the plank and fuck you, Tom Brady. With a giant, Samson Coleman is hated. Fuck it, dang it, your ass, Tom Brady. Woo! Yes! Standing back sports program. You know what time it is. Oh. By the way, we're not doing any more of the poetry. We've got to take a break from that. But I wanted to get back into this and read a couple more of the things. Um, As a Patriots fan, you can tell that half a fag Zito to go blow another dude and stop going on about being a Pats fan. He's a shit dick. Is that true? That's good points all around. I'm not a shit dick. But if you're not a true fan... Uh, you really shouldn't worry about such stuff. So you're going to go suck another cock then? Uh, no. No, I'm not. I am a Patriots fan through and through, and they're going to win. Um, Sean claims that he posted on the Interbank three weeks ago, next Super Bowl would be Giants-Pats with G-Men with a 17-14 win. I will tell you this, uh, Sean, if you are indeed a modern-day Nostradamus, we will look into it. That's fucking whacked out, if that's true. All you gotta do is follow his name along, and I think you find out. Shitty song, great video. Oh, Shitty song, best video ever. Um, this just breaking news out of Ottawa. This song is so good, it's just been made in the Canadian National Anthem. Yes. Sweet. Fuck yeah. The That's Right and the L. Cool J, LL Cool J, ask ticking me Elmo parts add so much to the song. They do. Uh, another bunch of New York fags, Brady and Zito rule. Nice. And that's from Mark Zito. Mm. Mark, come on. Why? He's allowed to post. This game is bringing out the homophobia in people. Mm, I don't think it's already been out. Who not killed, the, but not the bad out. Who killed the? Uh, you know what I say. Let's get the dogs out. Who let them out? Or who let the gays out? Who let the gays out? Who let the AIDS out? I don't know what they mean by who killed the deer in the apartment. I was gay. Now I like vagina, football, and the Giants, all thanks to this song. What's Dave going to do if the Pats win? Here's one from Jay that just says, God damn brilliant. And the real winner, Dabney Coleman. I haven't heard his name mentioned in two decades. (laughs) And a lot of people bring it up that the picture was from Cloak and Dagger. Yep. Is Zito hard watching Pepper Thrust throughout that video? Probably. I'll ask him. Uh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not attracted to men. Move over, Craze. Davey Mack is in town. Uh, one minute and 18 seconds of my life. I'll never get back. By the way, is that like one of the most ripped off things in yeah. any thread of the internet? It's always there. Think or thought, you are a thief. Um... Pepper Hicks moves like he's hand-washing clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's got great moves. 
definite smash. This song makes me want to rock out with my cock out. Put that cock away. No gay. Oh, okay. Keep it out then. Uh, Eric, you're on the Fez. Eric. Oh, hey guys. Uh, sorry about that. So I just heard a song that Queen made for the Patriots. It's called We Are the Champions. Uh, Are you sure you don't mean fat bottom girls? <laughs> Love you guys. Um, they, look, the, between these two teams, the last ones to hold the fucking trophy over the head are the Giants. That's right, baby. I didn't even pull up that music cue because I think it's uh, it's like bad luck to start playing that shit and be like, yeah, Patriots are champions. We are the champions. Boy, we're really bad singers. Um, it was really fucking strong. It was really, really strong. I mean, I don't see any way how the... Patriots fans can retaliate. I mean, they might as well just give up now. Maybe a kill and... They, you can't do any... There's nothing you could song. possibly do to make a song better than this. Yeah. Oh, shit! I'm sorry. Literally gonna fuck Tom You don't Brady. have to be sorry. Uh, we come back, uh, and it looks like Fred's got something for us. And this is the greatest of 90s punk? Yeah. The, hmm. the 90s was a good time. A lot of people said, you know, punk's dead after the 70s well, and then after the you? 80s. Yeah. But it was still around, and there were some great bands that came out of the 90s. Here's my worry. Yeah. That, A, you're going to throw in The Simpsons and Futurama okay. and okay. have Rorschach make, mad at me again. All right. I have to now, I saw before the show started, Rorschach's name was up there and then went out. Did he try to call us? He tried to call, but his phone was fucked up a little bit. Mm. All right, so when we get back, 90s punk. That's right. With our own UCB Fred, it's the Ron and Fez Show. I know what you mean. Ron Bennington, Fez Wally. The Ron and Fez Show continues next. Perfect blend of the punk. I better break. Or just letting it all hang out. Is this Dave? Mm-mm. Too bad. Ain't holding nothing back. Holy Fuck Tom Brady. Belichick sucks dick. He knows he sucks that cock. New on the Intera Bang uh, today, the Vanessa Redgrave interview is up. Vanessa Redgrave appearing in Coriolanus. That interview is up on the front page of the Interrobang. Um, also up there, and this always becomes this big thing, Busta Rhymes over in England. Uh, play that clip. Uh, Busta, he's got a bunch of English fans waiting around for him. And basically they turn on him pretty quickly uh, when they don't get the autographs that they're looking for. And, you know, to me, I understand wanting to see Busta Rhymes. I remember when uh, different celebrities come here. But I don't know about wanting to stop them. 
photo. Can we have a photo? Photo. Pimp our ride. That is so ignorant. lady but the fucking children first of all you're taking your kid to see Buster yeah so I'm sorry who knows what's going to happen when you're there but here's the other thing the two things number one how fucking people get mad if they don't get right what they want from a celebrity then they turn on but two what is black people's problem with being called ignorant I've seen this before black people hate that word I think they feel that it's a code word for the M-bomb Oh, uh, I didn't even know that. I'm pretty. That, I'm pretty sure that's that's the fucking thing. That okay, you so you're almost saying like when you say oh, ignorant to a black person, it's like it's uncivilized. It's like way thrown back. Yeah. It's like you don't know how to act. You're being ennish. Is what the, the I had no think. idea. This. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like black people are far more likely to call white people ignorant. But that's the point. The point is like it's seen as way more of a slur. To them. Going towards them. So, like, they will call you that if they're mad, and if you call them that, it's fucking on from that point on. Yeah, because Buster turned right the fuck around. <laughs> now, here's the other thing about acting like children shouldn't hear the word shit. Children take shits. All they're the not shocked by it. Shitting all over the, the place. And that's the original kid's humor, is any kind of bathroom yeah. humor. Exactly. Oh, my God, look at all that shit in that kid's pants. And you heard him. He's got to take a shit. He's got to, like... He might have shit himself a little bit, fucking take the time out to fucking harass now, him. Now, really, too, the other part of it is, was he being ignorant? Was anything... Was that where that word would go? Or is it the code word that Chris Stanley already explained to us? It's a code word. Maybe if they called him Iga, I don't know. Oh, see, that's oh, awful. That, wow. No. I don't... Ignorant does not fit in that situation. That's what that's what my point was. That's not when you would call someone ignorant. He's being dismissive, maybe, or ignoring that. You're dismissive. <laughs> See, no dismissive. Let me get a photo. Well, seriously, what are you doing standing next to a man's trailer, wanting a photo with your children? Like they should know who the fuck Bust is anyway. Unbelievable. Well, he's big, early nineties, right? Yeah, yeah mid nineties was this probably this. this I mean, he. It, it, that was when he broke out. That's when he had the crazy dreadlocks and fucking everybody loved him. Flip mode squad. Flip mode squad, yes. You know, as far as ignorance, it's not like he was showing a lack of knowledge. <laughs> which where you would, you know, like if I would say, uh, Fez, 
we're doing this 90s thing and you're ignorant of the topic. There is the word with the ignorant yeah. be used. Not a guy going to fucking drop a fucking log. Exactly. Trying to just get away from the fans. You just want to take a shit. He's uncomfortable. Just because he's ignoring you doesn't mean he's ignorant. Um, mm. Patrick in Vermont, you're on Rana Fez. Yes, am I on? I guess you are. Oh, perfect. I just, um, I have an issue with the fact that I'm not, I'm not racist, um, but I feel like now they're stealing this word too. Now we're not allowed to use that. Um, I don't know. I've, I, I brought it up to Hicks where I said I noticed that black people get more upset when called ignorant than white people, and Hicks is the one who enlightened us that it's a code word. It is. You hear that, y'all? Using code words. Roy and PA. Yeah, he's exactly right. That's that's what it means. Even if you look up the Webster dictionary, like in the fifties, if you look up the term nigga, it actually means ignorant. That's what they had in the fifties dictionary. But being a black man, yeah, when something yeah, ignorant is a bad word. That's what that is like the cold word. He's exactly right. So that's why Buster got so pissed off so fast. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right, there you go. There you have it. And that's the fucking English people who. I mean, there's a reason we had to drop their asses twice. Oh, fuck yeah. Twice we had to beat them up. I mean, put, they, they've just got their asses handed to them, too. Oh, they burnt down the White House one time. I mean, they didn't do all that bad. We rebuilt it. We're looking good now. It's worse, though. <laughs> the fucking original White House was beautiful. The first one was so much better. It was. Oh, all right, 90s punk. <laughs> and this was your time, huh, Fred? Yeah, this is something that I grew up with. This uh, is your time. Down here. It's their time up there. But it's your time down here. Yeah. Got him pirates. Alright, let's go through your favorite nineties punk. All right. And well, see if people agree with you. Yeah. Well, uh up at number ten we have Green Day. Which is probably the most successful and popular punk band to come out of the nineties. The only punk band I know of to make it to Broadway. They yeah. literally are a Broadway band now. The the fact that they've been around this long as a punk band, even is well, not anymore. But no, I mean the fact that they've been able to have this kind of staying power is amazing, and not only still be able to connect to young people, like their fans are still the same age. Their fans it's have just, always been between nine and thirteen. It's it, it's crazy how how they get older, but the, their fans just still the same age. I have a uh, nephew who's in first grade, and he tried to start a band out of school and he found out who played instruments and he goes our first song is going to be Jesus of Suburbia so his mom finds out about this he's a huge Green Day fan gigantic and his mom finds out and is like you know not my, you know, you go to a Christian school they might not like that song so he came back and she goes uh, do you figure out the band he goes I'm not going to kid this down for them I am not going to kid this down and he's ready to shit the band out Ready them rather than turn his back on his Green Day nice. fucking love. Yeah, and a lot of people give them shit. They call them sellouts at the time for signing to a major record label. But I mean, you know, I think they were just too big to to stay where they were. Like they had to move up. And those albums are still great. I don't know why people still you know because it makes them nervous that immediately as soon as people get to their early twenties and they have children. The, their children start to like Green Day more than they did. There's something really weird there. Whatever appeal, whatever appeal they have, 
is the same appeal that the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus have. Little kids love them. All right, what else you got? All right, next we have the Donnas, which are a band. There were four females. They were right out of high school, and they immediately got signed to Lookout Records. And they very much have like a Ramones Runaways feel about them. They're just these girls that uh, just sing about, you know, things that women usually don't sing about. Getting high, fucking guys, and, you know, just cutting class and shit like that. See that boy, he looks so fine. You love these guys, huh? Yeah, I think they're amazing. And I think this is their first record they put out is probably their best just because it's so raw and they they are not as good as playing their instrument. There's something about that that makes it even better than when they get more polished. And and later on they kind of were influenced more by like 80s, you know, bands like Kiss and mm-hmm. uh it, their stuff is alright but it, I don't think it was ever better than like the first stuff they did now even though it's incredibly derivative of you know things in the past sure now they're just talking heads on VH1 shows that's right is that what they do? yeah now they, just, they just bring them in for like uh, you know 100 Greatest Rock Acts ever well one of the things I remembered about 93 was <laughs> I like yep. to remember certain years and sit there and be filmed talking about it <laughs> I remember when I bought this product in that particular year, and it was great. I remember the first time we saw Friends. We're like, who are these people? And within a week, they were our friends. So, coming in as number seven. And I bought the Rembrandt single. It was great. You know, the Rembrandts never got enough love. Because everyone watched Friends. It was great. And everyone knew that song. And they played it on the radio. We didn't realize how thick our TVs were in those days. But now, looking back on it, they're really, really wide. Gotta hate tubes. <laughs> Why couldn't... Pl- Plasma was around then, too. All right, now, I'm going to call you Bay Area Punk from now on, because that seems to be your time. That was a lot of the music that came out of there was the Bay Area. Like, mm-hmm. that was the scene, was, you know... The pop punk scene. Yeah. Southern and that is your... You are a, a pop punk. Yeah, I like the pop punk. Like, you know, they, they added pop into the punk music and they brought it back to life. They added some, you know, pop sensibilities to the music. It's uh, the best of the 90s punk. If you agree or disagree, it's up on the iBang or give us a call at 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. 866-RON-ZERO-FEZ. UCB Fred taking the stick again, showing some leadership abilities. What do you got next? We have Rancid. Another band. Yeah, a little, you know, a little grittier band. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, do, are these in any certain order for you too, Fred? Yeah, I feel like they go from from they they go in ascending order to the best. Right. I, I, so this is would be my eighth eighth best band. All right, let's jump into your seventh then. All right. And then I'm going to read you some of the feedback, because obviously these lists, they bring out a lot of emotion in people. It's up on the iBang.com. That's um, good. Don't worry. Most of the times when people try to call in to complain, their phone dies. So you don't have to put up with them. Um, I am hoping to hear from him, of course. I'm, I haven't gotten a rant in forever. It's been a while since he busted out a rant. Uh, all right. This is your seventh right now, right? Yeah. This is Bad Religion. Now, this is the band that can make Fred cry. If you notice, I think you get some memories attached with this band. I do, because, you know, this is a band that's really confrontational towards organized religion and this is the kind of thing that you listen to and you're like wait a minute wait what am I doing I'm really kind of fucked up and then your mom's like how come you don't pray with us before dinner now and you're like you know what I don't think it's I don't want to mom I don't want to I think they started they probably started I'll tell you why mom because I saw a movie called SLC Punk (laughs) and that's who I am now (laughs) let's go over your Phil you're on face Yo, Ronnie B, what's happening? Hey. Hey, I went to high school with Green Day and grew up in the Bay Area punk scene, so I like a lot of this music. And the crazy thing is, like, I went to uh, Snow Valley High School with Billy Joe and Trey Cool and Elsa Bronte, who isn't even a member of the band now, but my 12-year-old son loves Green Day, and I don't know whether it should drive me nuts or why I should be happy about it. There's nothing you can do. Every little kid, and I'm not just talking like this generation of little kids, in the early 90s, that was who loved Green Day. That was my first fucking CD I ever bought. Yeah. And then in the late yeah. 90s, you were like, hey, the little kids like Green Day. And then in the last millennium, the little kids... Like, I remember when I came into New York, we saw uh, Fez's friend, who was like a... Uh, the kid who's a movie star now. And we're all meeting in this restaurant, and he's blasting Green Day in his ears. And like we're all like giggling about it. Like, yeah, I remember... That, like how cute he's into this thing. But then I got a nephew doing it 10 years after that. It's like how they blew up with Dookie is when American Idiot came, when American Idiot came out, it like blew up all over again. And that just fucking, just through the the roof, they fucking... But I don't know whether there's like a cartoony aspect to them. You know, like, I don't know what it is. I think they're, you know, it's definitely a little, I guess, sort of simplified for... It's something that kids can understand and relate to. It's, there's something in it that they, they can understand that's not too heavy-handed, I guess. You know? Well, one thing I know is that they really do still support the local punk scene in the Bay Area. So in the Bay Area, people are still crazy about it for that reason, you know? All right, well, who's your number uh, six here? Number six, we have the Queers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just the name of the band. Mm. Sounds like a statement.
it was almost the Beach Boys. They basically, you know, <laughs> yeah. took punk rock and put it to the Beach Boys. <laughs> Beach Boys, yeah. <laughs> they do a lot of Beach Boys covers too. And that's another thing about these bands: a lot of they don't make any secret to their influences, and right. they will do a lot of covers. And actually, these guys. They had no aspirations of really making it really big. I mean, no. let's face it, that's why Green Day was such a shock to everyone, because they shouldn't have made it that no. big, let alone stayed that big. When they broke, they were all still fucking getting constantly high on Crystal Meth. They were just fucking punk rock kids from the fucking right. Bay Area. That's literally what they were, and they were, just, they were fucking their head. So you're loving, this, you're loving this list. Oh, it's a great list, yeah. This is all good shit. All right, let's go to number five. Number five, we got Fugazi, which is a great uh, DC band, which is where I'm from. And, so they're, and, by the way, everybody in DC has the story of being in the garage with these guys because my cousin's friends went down. And then fucking bad brains walked in. I mean, you sick. You see Ian McKay all over the place still, and you're like, oh my God, it's him. And then you, you have a story to tell somebody. You're like, I saw him at the Whole Foods. It's great. I've heard from everyone I know in D.C. some variation of the same story. House party, pool party, backyard party. Let's play low. About the kind of the, the intertwine of punk and ska in the nineties, did you did you go down that uh, cul-de-sac of fucking rock and roll? I never, at all? I never really got big into it, but I did like bands that did that. I liked you know listen to a band occasionally that had like a nice horn section. <laughs> right, <laughs> the ska thing came up, and then it was like, hey, the ska and punk kids are friends. They're, Wait, they're fighting. Wait, they're, they're friends. Yeah, they're kind of like, you know, cousins. Like, they yeah. got along and, and a lot of times, you know, ska bands would open up for punk bands and vice versa. And there's no reason they shouldn't get along, but... It was a, uh, a a fucking point where some of the kids that were in a school band then could join a fucking rock band. Oh, that, yeah. That's probably very true. Really <laughs> worked out for kids who played trombone since they were in like, second grade. Finally! Um... <laughs> Let's go over here to Steve brings up the name on the list that most people are complaining about. Go ahead, Steve. All right. Hey, how's it going? You guys got me? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm from L.A. Grew up down there in L.A. where they got Glamis and uh, El Mirage and all these places. The punk was huge. And um, um, where you guys play, no effects. Don't call me white. Like, no effects was huge. Lagwagon was uh, huge. Let's see, I've been to it. Where's the... Fat Mike Love. No effects just got... It was barely on the list. It got cut because wow. I realized there were a couple bands that were better. Oh, shit. I've never heard anyone say that before. 
They just they just sold the fuck I, out of the, the couple of shows a couple months ago. Still up. Still up. New York blew up. I had them on the show. list, and then I said I. I just felt like there were there was another band that was better. Uh, let's go over here. Number four on your list. Go ahead. Number four is Bikini Kill. Kathleen Hanna. place for the girls, don't you, Fred? I do. And I have to admit, listening to like this stuff for the first time, it can be intimidating as a guy. Like they're so cuz they're really like forceful and powerful. Like they really You like that in a woman though. You want to like be that. dominated. You should listen to the breeders. Um Jeez. <laughs> seriously. You and You and your breeders love. You and your breeders well, love. was a great fucking album. I know. I know you love it so. I just felt so bad for Frank. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. He fucking must have fucking... Oh, he does still just hate oh, her. he despises her. <laughs> and her fucking sister. Yeah. And her fucking mirrored face sister. Yeah. Um, let's go to your number three. Number three, we got some screeching weasel. names on uh, his list. The entire list is up on the iBang. Um, let's go over here to Ryan. Ryan, you're on Runafest. Ryan. Hey, I was uh, wondering, the, the list is solid, but where's where's No Effects? We oh, already sir. brought that up. No Effects did not make his list. Fat Mike is uh, I'm listening on Ryan. I must have legs. Sorry, buddy. Um, let's go over here to uh, Tara. Hey, what's up, buddy? Big ass card two three two two. Hoo-ha! Um, first off, where is Fred from? I'm from the D.C. area of Virginia, uh, like the suburbs. All uh, right, it sounds like you're just a kid who's pulling all these bands out of festival shit. What? What about bands that started like the whole movements, like the Ducky Boys from Boston, the beginning of Dropkick Murphys that revolutionized the way punk rock is sound? Then you have the Casualties from New York. Then you can start getting into more hardcore punk rock from New York, which hardcore punk rock has paved the way for so many bands out there. This is just all festival bullshit, like mall pop punk. Do you feel like you're a, um, a mall pop? Maybe a little bit, but I don't. No. I don't see what's wrong with that. All right, Tara, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Let's go. Keep moving on with the list. Where's the fucking hardcore? Yeah. 
There is no hardcore on this list. Uh, let's go over to your second favorite 90s uh, punk band. Oh, uh, second favorite is The Muffs. Yeah, this is great. She's like screaming at the top of her lungs, but it's great to listen to. It's not it's not abrasive at all. Here's Tom in Long Island, you're on Fez. Yeah, the last caller complaining about the top ten yeah. was very high on the asshole index. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I know Tara very well. And Tara uh he looks like his name. He is one of those big, bald, tattooed guys who used to work the door at a lot of uh, punk places. Still in mom's basement. Uh, but he could also pull your fingers off. Yeah. Literally could pull your fingers off. I mean, to me, you know, the 90s punk thing is very about, very much about the Bay Area pop punk scene. Like, and I understand it means different things to other people. Like, to him, there's like, you know, the real hardcore stuff like the casualties. But it is the thing that when you make up a list, uh, somebody's going to feel left off of it. Let's look at some of this. Um, your comments you're getting. Green Day. That's not fucking punk. It's pop, you faggot. Yes, pop punk. H2O. Uh, here's Bouncing Souls, yeah. Unwritten Law, Suicide Machines, Lagwagon, No Effects, Dropkick Murphys, The Descendants. Descendants, not a 90s band, really. Um, the Queers, I thought that was Fez and Zito's band. Hold hey. on, you guys got a fucking band? You guys are rocking? Uh, I thought no. you guys were still calling yourself Simon Garfunkel. <laughs> we are. <laughs> I think he's trying to call us gay, which I do not appreciate. Where's the Vandals? Where's Guttermouth? Vandals didn't make the list, but they were very close to me. Guttermouth to his right. Oh, shit! Fuck you, Zito. Go to hell, you jealous fuck. Sorry I get breakfast and you have to cry like a little bitch every fucking day. I'm hungry. We gotta come up, by the way, before the show's over today. I want you guys to figure out this fucking bet. You said you did it before you. Mm-hmm. When I cancel this one for being too pussy and I shut it down, then I want you to re-come up with a new idea for Monday. Because okay. I want a hardcore fucking bet for a hardcore list like this. Yes. <laughs> Alright, number one on your list. Let's do it. Number one for me, my personal favorite of all time, is the Mr. T experience. understand you've already pissed off Travis, too. Travis is in the booth? Yes, he is. Uh-oh. Travis, what's, what's wrong with the uh, list? <laughs> Read your list off from 10 to 1 right now, too. All right, 10 to 1. 10, we got Green Day. 
Number nine, we have the Donnas, followed by Rancid, followed by Bad Religion, and then we have the Queers, Fugazi, Bikini Kill, Screeching Weasel, the Muffs, and finally, the Mr. T Experience. Uh, Travis, you're not liking his list at all? It's not happening for you? I'm not, I'm not liking about half of it. Oh, uh-huh. Whoa. He, he got a lot right. Whoa. Well, like, what did I get wrong, then? The Mr. T Experience at number one. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <Seriously>. Really? <laughs> the best band. Really? Yes. The Muffs at number two? The Muffs are great. I wouldn't Love even the put Muffs. the Muffs in the top 25. What? Oh, oh no. shit. That's well, right. who, who's, who's missing from the list, Travis? The Bouncing that? Souls, Face to Face, uh, Jawbreaker, uh, he's locked up. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, a lot of this is you know personal taste. Not no, everyone's no, I know it is. I, I, I know. Uh, Matt wants to throw something in. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I'm just a little surprised. It sounds like uh, we came up around the same time, and Fred being from DC, just a little surprised that there's not very much East Coast love on there. I think East Coast uh, was really. Uh, instrumental in, in 90s punk. Uh, he's missing a lot of guys, I think, that were already said, like uh, Bouncing Souls, the Dropkick Murphys, uh, their earlier stuff. Uh, actually, the Dropkick Murphys singer, we used to be in a band out of Portsmouth, New Hampshire, called Bruisers, one of the best uh, 90s punk bands out there. Thanks a lot, guys. I mean, he's, you know, that's a great band, but I, I felt like I identified more with the West Coast scene, I guess, even though growing up in, outside of D.C. Here's Pat, you're running Fez. Go ahead, Pat. All right, we lost you, buddy. You identified with West Coast, but you didn't even put no effects on there? That's I, seriously, it just barely what made a it, dick. it. It got cut. That's insane. That the Mr. T experience is up there, but no effects didn't even make the list. Here's Chris in Love Jersey. Mr. T. Yeah, I was just saying, uh, Fred loves uh, the women singers so much, but he didn't put the distillers on there. Distillers was a great band. With the, I don't even I don't know, know if the distillers... They're not really 90s They were band, very though. late 90s, maybe like 98. She's 90s. got a great voice, She's too. great. I was just listening to some of that last night, too. And what were you doing, just fucking bouncing up and down? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go over here... Touching it. ...to um, <laughs> Justin in San Francisco. Yeah, guys, uh, talking about West Coast... I mean, what happened to Op Ivy? <laughs> Op Ivy, their album came out in 1989, and then they broke yeah. up. So mm-hmm. not really. Yeah, and, they became ran- and then basically became ransom. If, if they didn't. And then the other guy came up with band, what, Common Rider? That was yeah. about like 10 three, years later. Three of the members from the band joined Rancid, you asshole. But they're not the 90s band, really. They put Rancid in there, so you... Yeah, I you gave them love. Actually, you know, like, Operation Ivy is better than Rancid, so you should have put them in. <laughs> but it's not a 90s band. close enough. 89 is not close enough. There's got to be a cutoff here. That's like saying a 13-year-old can get on a fucking Little League team. This guy's not that much older. Uh, let's go over here to Kyle. Yeah, you miss the dwarves. You miss pulley. You miss social distortion. You miss Social distortion is coming up a lot. I wouldn't put them in a 90s list, though. Like, I wouldn't think of them as being like a 90s band. What about AFI? Yeah, I like AFI, but I don't know if i put them on a best list. I mean, they're all right. I wouldn't put the Donnas on a best list. Oh, come on. The Donnas are great. All right. There's about, uh, well, there's a hell of a lot of people commenting on your list right now. Yeah. And very little of it is saying, this is a perfect list. <laughs> okay. Most people feel like you've at least missed something. <laughs> That's going to happen with any list, but... I don't think so. <laughs> um, let's go over here to James. James, you're on Fez. Hey, how's it going? I know that this is a personal list, but... I mean, if you're talking about the 90s, Scott blew up then. You just barely touched on the Scott Punk movement like that. I mean, 90s, 
that was where that's where Scott was happening. That was the absolute peak of the movement. And to leave out like less than Jake, there's just not a lot of variety in this list. You know, uh, people have talked about dropkick a million times. I mean, these are the new things that were happening during the '90s, and there's just not. A- we understand. You you didn't have love for Scott. I like Scott. I didn't hate Scott, but it never really connected to me the same way. Uh, Ray, you're on my face. Uh, how you doing, guys? Uh, I want to start off by saying not a bad list, but I want to see what Fred's thoughts were on Sonic Youth. Sonic Youth, you know, they're a good band. I never really got that much into them, but, I mean, they're good. I mean, but yeah. do you think that they would count in 90s punk? I mean, I, they were around in the late 70s and 80s, and they had punk influences. I think at some point that if you're going to say something is a 90s band, they had to start in the 90s, not before. Like, you're not going to sit around and talk about the best of the 90s and throw in... Uh, and do like a fucking Pearl Jam, Nirvana, and U2 and R.E.M. You know what I mean? Like, the other bands get put in other eras. But I, I felt like some of these bands, they did start maybe a little bit before, but they're, they're the when majority you come of their in, work. When you come into fucking fruition. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying is a lot of yeah, these bands. Yeah, I agree are. with you. And some of them, like the Descendants, like, I love the Descendants, but I can't put them on there because they're, you know, most of their stuff is the 80s. They had some good stuff in the 90s, but you'd mainly think of them as like an 80s band. Uh, Grant, you're on Fez. Hey, how's it going? I was just calling. I wanted to ask Travis if he uh, is familiar with the band called the Bloody Assholes. They're from like around Philly, and they're most known for their songs called uh, "Fuck Shit Fuck." Hmm. No, I was more of a Central Jersey guy. Uh, here's Kurt Love. Hey, what's up, guys? What about me first and the Gimme Gimme? Well, if he's not going to put in, uh, no effects <laughs> in there, he's not going to put these guys in. And I don't even know if they're '90s. Yeah, yeah they were right. But it may be the best fucking name of any band ever. It's a great name, and they're a great cover band, and they, you know, they put a great spin on on covering music. Uh, Jeff and Philly, go ahead. Yeah, I'm curious to know what do you guys think the ACI is on this list? I'm 32. I couldn't I couldn't remember half of the bands that he named, and uh, I just I I couldn't relate to it. Well, that's because you were probably listening to. Stuff that was on the radio at that time, yeah. and oh, he was Mariah wasn't. Carey, for instance. What's that? Mariah Carey. Yeah, you were listening to Mariah Carey, but yeah, she wouldn't yeah. be on this list. This list might not but, be for you, sir. <laughs> honest to God, I just feel like I, I feel like he's a little bit too. He, he tried a little bit too hard to. No, it was a '90s punk list. You're <laughs> not going to put Boys to Men on that fucking list. You can't make the d- fucking disagreement of wait. Boys to Men sold a lot of fucking albums. I'm sorry, Bone Thugs and Harmony just didn't make the cut, sir. Oasis the, is not on the list. I love the Crossroads. Um, let's uh, go over here to um, Ben. Ben, you're on my face. Lost you. Here's Tim in Colorado. Hey, what about the Swingin' Others, man? They're a genius band. How do you not know? How do you not love them? I guess they're all right. I never really got into the Swingin' Swingin' Others. I mean, they're okay. Um, here's uh, Brad. Brad, you're on the fence. Hey, Ron, I didn't know that you uh, supported plagiarism, but I've seen this list before, and it's on the soundtrack of 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, oh shit! Come on! Oh, shit! You got son, son. Well, let me just say this. That was Heath Ledger's first movie, I think. Then it was I Night. Think, hold what are you looking for? I'm going to look for the soundtrack. Yeah, go ahead. Look Dude. for the soundtrack. <laughs> That's really fucking funny, though. It's a fucking great fucking rip. Uh, also up on the iBank today are the 
five uh, fashion photographers. Um, and, you know, if you ever want to have a fucking great gig where you meet a lot of chicks, you meet the most beautiful women in the world, and then they do exactly what you tell them to do, get a job as a fashion photographer. Now, you went to art school, right? Yeah. How are you with photography? I like photography. Why? I, no one's fighting I'm, with you about no. it. I'm just asking. Oh, photography's great. It's yeah. a great, like, you know, it's a very different kind of medium than actually, like... But you're you know, always trying just to catch people. Yeah. You, I think photographer tries in... in Who's a great photographer for you? See, he has no passion for it. He can go through 90s punk bands or uh, pop punk bands, but not photography at all. Uh, what are the 10 things I hate about you soundtrack? We have uh, Letters to Cleo, I Want You to Want Me, the cheap trick cover. Oh, yeah. Seismonic, Save Ferris, Sister Hazel, Jessica Riddle, Leroy, Tagana, George Clinton, Brick, Joan, Arma Trading... The Cardigans, Madness, More Letters to Cleo, and Richard Gibbs. So you feel very fucking okay with your list. Yeah, I feel good. Um, some really, really cool shit up on Filtered Excellence this week, including the new Leonard Cohen. Make sure you check that out on the iBang. Also, it's uh, Luck is coming on this weekend, the new HBO series. Finally. I cannot wait to watch this. Anything else good on the, that same night? There's something else. I th- oh, that's the night of the, uh, what do you call it, awards? The SAG, SAG awards. awards. Thanks, Travis. Thank you, guys. I uh, get the thing that, I get handed a note from Hicks that said, Travis is furious about the list. Came in and he wasn't that furious about it. I thought he was going to rip me a new one. Minor tweaking, but not furious. <laughs> he goes, he's furious, but he goes, you got about half of it, right? Yeah, most of it was good. That's pretty good. Uh, this is the list up on the five on photographers, um, which, by the way, you can click on some really fucking hot pictures of some of these girls on here. Oh, wow. uh, Steven Mizell's work, which he's like this incredibly, he's like the most popular underground guy of all time. Like, he gets all the biggest work, yet he doesn't do interviews or let his name get out there, nor does he let people take pictures of him. I like that. It's just like the anti-fame, where everyone is today is trying to get famous. And yet, every famous woman in the world loves this guy and wants his picture taken. I mean, I think you have to respect that, that some artists, they don't want to be associated with their art. Like, he wants to separate himself. He doesn't want to be a part of that. He doesn't want that, like, interfering. Like, he wants well, to I actually can separate. identify with that. It's like, I'm not one of those people who bring up everything about, you know, the people in my life, the actual people in my life. Yeah, I think... I know a lot of people are like, well, my kids were in third grade, and I I've always been curious about that. Also, that's another reason why I never wanted my name on fucking Twitter, where I have to sit there and answer people all night long. That would drive me nuts. Oh, I don't know, Bonnie. We'll look into it. Hey, Hank. Thanks. Well, Tim, if you give me another chance, I'm sure tomorrow's show will be better. I can't fucking do that. Hashtag Ron Banks. Collect the fucking quotes. That's the way to go. Go to Ronnie B quotes. That's who I am. Um... 
But anyway, Stephen Mizell was... I don't know whether this list is set up, but he'd probably be my uh, number one. Then Richard Avedon, the uh, second picture there, is like, to me, the probably picture of the 80s. The one with the uh, snake. Um, she got a snake wrapped around her, and she is naked, lying on the floor. And she kind of was, in a lot of ways, at least as far as the movies, the it girl of the 80s. As far as being hip and, you know, not just fucking mainstream. Uh, Helmut Newton is number three. Uh, and then Norman Parkinson is number four, who did a lot of work for Vogue. I don't know anything about him. Do you know him at all? I'm not familiar with Norman Parkinson. Um, yes, it is Nastasha Kinski is the, uh, was the it girl of the 80s. And then you never even see her anymore. No. Uh, and now, and then number five on this list, uh, Horst P. Horst. Um, let's see what people are saying about this list. Uh, if it wasn't for the nudes, this would be kind of gay. People always have to bring up that word. You, you know, you're making me notice that more and more, Fez. It's amazing how freely it flows in a derogatory way. I would say that they were ignorant, but I don't want to make black people mad. God, please don't. Uh, what about Terry Richardson? Great guy, very talented. Um, I guess Johnny Versace got spelled wrong. Uh, and EMC is furious about it. Um, I like Norman, I like Norman Parkinson's work here. I like, um, sort of like very simple colors. And like very, it's all very basic, but yeah. but it's framed very well. Um, you know what I like, and it goes to the helmet Newton, and I can't even tell you why, but the woman that's dressed in the riding gear, and then she's wearing the saddle. Fucking love that picture. It's uh, up from there. Keep going up. Keep going up. Right there to your right. Looks like a scene from Secretary. Ah, I forgot about that film. That's yeah, on very late at night all the time. Uh, by the way, Davy Mac wanted me to do a list, and he, then he said, maybe I'm tired. But he sent it as good movies that don't get on TV. And what I'm going to do, Hicks, okay. is forward this to you. All right. And then you and him are going to work on it together. Because I don't know how we can figure out what good movies don't get on TV. I'm sure they are every once in a while. Funny. <laughs> this is we tried to come up with Christmas songs that aren't Christmas songs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going to go back over to Nielsen's and fucking see what we can do. Yes, it's uh, not Johnny Versace. It's Gianni Versace. Gianni. And I only know that because when he was murdered, I was down there at the time. Yeah. By Andrew Cunanan. Oh, very good that you know that. Yeah. I used to stay in that same houseboat. Really? And I was staying there when it happened. Oh, my God. And it was like this. Shh, cops are out front. <laughs> Andrew, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> he was a friend. Yeah, but he killed somebody. He killed Gianni Versace. You don't have friends that you stick up for? I guess I do. Would you hold, would you hide Hicks? Yeah, I think I'd hide Hicks. Would you hide Zito? Um, yeah, me neither. What the fuck? As a matter of fact, I'd actually plan a weapon on him <laughs> <laughs> to protect Hicks. See right, I have I not if I not helped you? <laughs> it's true. I guess I would have to help you. 
I didn't say I wouldn't. I just had to think about it for a while. Mm. Coming this weekend on the Intero Bang, it's the IB Wire News Quiz. There'll be a new quiz, new news quiz up this weekend on the IB Wire. Quote, quote, movie quote was a very, very popular fest. The news quiz will have to go a long way. A long way to beat that. Matter of fact, quote, quote, movie quote is listed as number one of the most popular uh, quotes. Um, followed by Guy with Crowbar versus uh, Ten Cops. Car Baby Born in Pants. Uh. <laughs> Giant Truck Tire. A Mountain. A Lake. Magic. And the one uh, called Philly Soul Knows How to Roll. Here's uh, the weirdness there. At first... The IB Wire gang puts it up. Then they hear from Opie, hey, I'm the one who found that or whatever. What? And apparently, um, Live Leak stole it from Opie. That's bullshit. They, why wouldn't they give Opie credit? I hate when people do that. A lot of times, like, if I, that's happened to me before where. Somebody will be like, oh, man, you, your shit is on Reddit. And I'm like, really? Well, I didn't get, like, the links or anything. And somebody's just uploaded the actual image and not, like, linked back to my website. Wow, really? So, I mean, this happens all the time, and it's kind of bullshit. People really need to credit the original author. Like, it's it, very It's important. not that much to ask for. You know what I mean? Like, you can still use it. No. Just fucking put a link to the original person. Yeah, like, I'm, mad, I'm not mad that somebody's put it up there. I'm right. mad that people don't know that it's me. I'd like that if they like this stuff, I'd like them to be able to go back and, and find more of it. And I'm sure... I like feels- to know it's you, so when I don't like it, I don't go back to your site by accident. I guess that, too. <laughs> because I find some of your stuff a little offensive. What? I put on the... Um, this is electric wheelchair guy. Uh, singing karaoke in Philly and this is why Philly is one of the all time great fucking cities this is the kind of stuff that you can just see uh, on the street there and the fact that he would capture this moment just out of nowhere now the, it's just one of those things the uh, the iBang guys they did credit it they just didn't know that Live Leak lifted it from Opie so when they credit it what they should have been doing was crediting Opie, but they credited it Live Week. But then we've gotten it all straightened out. And the nation relaxes. Now that's just a young guy who's got a karaoke hooked up to his rascal as he's driving down the road singing the spinners. Whenever you want me, I'll be there. Uh, A lot of people writing that this guy shows up at a lot of Phillies games. So it's all happening. Coming up a little later on in our show uh, today, uh, we are going to be doing... Oh, I guess the last unmasked that that we've done, and that's the first time ever with a Pulitzer Prize winner, the humorous Dave Barry. Um, That's coming up at uh, 2 o'clock, 2 o'clock today. It's the Ron and Fez show, uh, hanging with you till then. Uh, Filtered Excellence came up, the new letter in Cohen is out, and um, Earl is so fucking happy that... Leonard Cohen got a billboard in Times Square. 
He can't stop talking about it. Uh, Charles, you're on Ronnie Fez. Ronnie, uh, is it too soon? Can we hear Davy Max song again? You know what? You're absolutely right. We need to get on that. I want to play it once an hour till the end of time. Until the world finally blows up and gets sucked into a black hole. Once an hour, I want this to play. It's forget Tom Brady. Forget Tom Brady as the, as the title. Looks like we're locking up over there. Stay with it. a lockup problem. Stay with it. Oh, you're doing nope. a little... Oh, my God. Stay goodness. with it, big girl. Don't panic. You're not a panic guy. Fred's getting to do a little more and more every day, but he gets a little still, gets a little panicky. Close that out. We got to drop some of the shit that we got up there because you've got 1,400 different things up there. While we're doing that, let's go around through some of the filtered excellence. Like I said, SAG Awards this weekend, uh, Luck debuts on HBO, and True Grit finally comes to Netflix. Uh, old Ideas by uh, Leonard Cohen, and here's another cool one, uh, and that's an Alex. Chilton fucking album. Now, I know all Fred knows about him is from The Replacements, but he is an actual person. Isn't he big star? Big star. Very good, Fred. Yeah. I thought you just know that The Replacements sang about him once, and that's it. No. No, um, Chilton. We're also doing the Lose Yourself Weekend with Billy Wilder. Uh, Fred, we need you to pick an album, uh, one of those movies that you're going to report back on Monday. All right. Which one did you like? Um, I've seen Sabrina. I like that. It's got Audrey Hepburn in it. I'm a little bit of an Audrey Hepburn fan. Mm. But I also re- really wouldn't mind seeing The Apartment, too, because I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, so. Double Indemnity. Oh, The Apartment is great. And Double Indemnity, I think, is also up there, and that's fantastic. Now, by the way, one of the things that we've we've put up is Bye Bye CBGB's um, which is at one of the galleries here in New York. Big, big rumor, Fred, CBGB's to reopen in New York City. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, then where will I go get my high-end boutique clothes? Yeah. And where will I go? And what am I going to do about rock uh, photographs that I get from the Morrison um, Art Gallery? It would not be in the same building. So it's not going to be in the same place. They would open it somewhere else other than the Bowery. Hmm. I don't know if I like the idea. Though. Yeah, I, I don't. I think it's gone. Just let it's it lie. It's gone. It's gone. You can never you know, make something new. You're never going to recapture it's the magic. It's gone. I'll play the devil to replace it. Uh, Hicks, can you play it from there? Uh, let's get back into Davy Max song. In the Super Bowl, Eli Manning and Antrell Rose gonna win. Yeah, dominate, baby. Gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. That's right. Lawless times, shake it in your face. Yeah. Tom Coffin, give it some face. Bob Dylan said, Lily, gonna fuck the shit out of Tom Brady. Tickle me, Elmo, no, tackle me, Ophi. Belichick, Brady, all pussy and pussy. Giants Cape Fear, Eli's Max Katie, gonna ruin your boat. Tom Brady. Break it down, Roy Schaefer. Come on. It's a David Mac Sports Pro. 
it's just unbelievable. I also understand that, uh, and I've been contacted by Dovecote Records. <gasps> They're very, very interested in talking to the group. And then Chris Stanley about another possible side project. Oh my, Ooh. this is wonderful. I almost see Chris as being the Nils Lofgren of that group where he can end up on a lot of different projects. Uh, why don't you give out the contest winner, Chris? I know that you were loving the poetry piece so much earlier today, and everybody did a great, great read. Yeah, I felt like there were a lot of great uh, entries. There were a lot of great entries. Like a lot of, po I didn't know our audience was so poetic. Like it, it really kind of surprised me. I the did. audience far surpassed us in this one. Yeah, we were not ready for that type of well creativity. Doing yeah. it different, making it happen on a different way every day. What do you got? The big winner of The Matrix, signed by Joey Pants. Tiffany. Is Jerk Store Sean with his Woo! wonderful description of Perfect Strangers. All right, I have a, I've got two callers with two uh, different opinions, and I thought maybe we'll do just... An off-the-cuff caller versus caller here. We've never done this before. Rich in Long Island says Davy Mac is the man, and God in Detroit said enough with the stupid-ass song. Uh, state your points, boys. I'm going to come up swinging and say Davy Mac is a retard who doesn't understand that he's a fucking Fuck retard. Yeah, Davy Mac fucking moves. I both the callers made I think landed some excellent points. But again, when we're doing these debates, let's not drag Fez back into it again. Fez had nothing to do with that. And the city of Detroit also didn't really have anything to do with it either. Hey, and you know like what? Detroit but, got slammed. But when you're in a fight, it's like when you start to attack someone's mom during a fight, I feel like anything is on the table. And I'm at a point now where I don't watch the Republican debates anymore. I can't believe how many they do. They do a debate every two days. If you did one even once a month, I'd be like, holy shit, a debate's on. But I can't watch one every two nights. I know these guys too well. Yeah. And I think Newt Gingrich is starting to lose some footing. Because I know he was getting slammed by... He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking he's about. He's a goddamn DC insider. Yeah, I know. And a historian. He did the thing where he wanted the debate audiences to be able to cheer and boo and emotionally react. And that totally backfired last night because they were booing him and cheering Romney for it most of the time. really doesn't matter. None of this uh, stuff, uh, if you don't know the difference between the two of them, um, by now, you're the fucking retard. If you really are like a Republican and you live in Florida and you haven't figured out the difference between both of these guys, you're fucking retarded. They're on every goddamn other night debating. I mean, Enough. Yeah, a lot of these things are kind of like hangovers from another time when you're meeting the people and you're really learning their issues. People are out there so much. And I don't They've know all got the same issues. One of them, you know, it's really personality. Uh, John, you're on Fez. Well, I'd be a million bucks. I need your help. Yeah. Uh, Blue Hill or Danielle? Well, what is the occasion? 
uh, my fiance's birthday. Uh, now, is she somebody who's more formal or looking for a more exciting night? Um, <clears throat> oh, man. that's uh, You know, it's her birthday, and uh, I'd say formal for this time out. I see. Here's the thing. Uh, Daniel is the old school French place. Blue Hill, to me, is one of the, if not the best restaurant, you know, particularly when you're like that, oh my God, this thing was fucking grown five feet from here, and then you made it, so for me, it's Blue Hill. Now, you might impress your parents more if you told them that you went to Daniel, because uh, they put down, like, a little pillow for the woman to put her purse on. Baller. Like, they move in an ottoman so she can put her purse on it. Yeah, that's over. I brought her parents to Per Se when I proposed, so that's done. They're not getting more impressed than that. Then go to fucking Blue Hill and have a great fucking meal. Thanks, brother. You're all right. Best. And just let them pick. Just go in and go, give me the good stuff, give me the fresh stuff. All right? Okay. Thanks, brother. Peace. Uh, Rusty, you're on the Run of Fez show. Hey, Ronnie, how's yeah. it going? Good. Hey, I want to know, where on this platform can you listen to 90s, 80s, or 70s punk? They have five freaking stations for rap, five for country, you got Bible channels, but there is not one punk rock channel on this station. Since they got rid of Fungus and Fred from XM, there's nothing left. But Marky Ramon, that's about it, though. Yeah, I mean, that is about what you're looking for. And I, I've i actually talked, I know that they're setting up some more of like the online channels and Punk's supposed to play very heavily into that. But I could definitely say that, you know, it becomes a problem. Zeets, where do you go for your Punk needs? Um, you know what? Channel 2? I, uh, I, um, if it wasn't for... For you guys and Opie and Anthony, I wouldn't even get serious anymore. I listen on uh, over my phone on the internet. Well, to, uh, my punk. Yeah, we'll. Uh, I don't blame you. Um, we will definitely, if we find out when those new channels uh, come in, announce what some of those new ones are. But I do think that there's a hole right there for uh, punk rock, and I know they had some. It'd be great if we could get a, a 90s punk channel. Would you be on it? Would you host would. it? Yeah, I could host it. It'd throw in some. It'd be like Fred's pop punk hour, you know? And here's Why don't you be one of those yeah. experience. Yeah, we listen to Mr. Chi experience at least once a day. Why don't you be one of those guys that just shits all over your uh, collars, but physically shits all over the collars? Oh, that's a new dimension. Yeah. I'm going to need to start getting breakfast in the morning. Make all that um, shit. We've got a break in a couple of minutes, but Hicks, was there anything else on the IB wire you want to talk about before we get into everything that you and Zeets are going through? Well, there's a video I found of a drunk man basically sa saving the day. It's He's a, like a drunk superhero. Basically, yeah, exactly. He's a drunk superhero. This is from like security camera footage at a gas station. Yeah, just play it real quick. We'll show it to Fred. Um... And what I love about it is the middle of the day. Yeah. So you really are. Here's a guy. He's got a gun. Uh, he's got a mask. He's got everything he needs to rob the place. And here's the drunk guy coming over, just pulling at his fucking mask, <laughs> pushing him a little bit. Not overly aggressive. You know what I mean? Not like taking a swing. And there's no nerves to play into this at all, including the cashier. The cashier doesn't give a shit if she gets shot either. He just pushed the guy out of the way and grabbing his shit that he bought, the drunk guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Robert just goes, shit, runs out. It's called whiskey muscles. Um, but also, you know, he either had a fake gun or it wasn't loaded. Because once someone called him down on it, he didn't have anything he could do. Yeah, he goes, guys kind of shoved a little bit. And, of course, the other big video, Ferris Bueller, is back. Uh, let's just play this. It's very, very quick. Gray hair. How can I handle work on a day like today? Much weaker voice. Oh, yeah. The little pudgier. What is he? It's apparently for a Super Bowl commercial, but I don't think anyone knows what he's promoting yet. No. I believe it's Abe Froman sausages. Uh, <laughs> he's the king. <laughs> that would be the fucking most brilliant thing to actually just put a sausage line of that out. I would fucking buy some. I'd have to give it a try. But does it seem weird to you to see the oldness of him? Yeah, it's very bizarre. It's off-putting. But I just and I, his voice sounds even a little weak. Like hi, some days you just gotta say. It's like Ferris. Also, like <laughs> you fucking should go to work. It's your job. You're an adult now. Like oh. you know, he's still living at home. Do your shit. I'm sure this is about some quick getaway fucking product. You know, like one of those you get half off on hotels. They and did the airlines. same. They did the same thing with uh, the vacation movies with Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo. I think it was like last year or the other year oh, yeah. where they they reprised their characters. Oh uh, yeah, and a, she one. looked great. I remember. Yeah, Chevy looked old as shit, <laughs> but she looked great. <laughs> I just I hate when they bring characters back like this. I mean, they they brought back you know Fonzie and. Uh, uh, I got OP. no problem. You know why? After the shocking, horrible news last night that Juan Epstein passed away, I want to take all those people and hold them tight. Now, I wish we had something where we could have brought the sweat hogs back. I need to start freeze drying these people or something. I know. And like I'm like, wait, I'm not ready to start losing sweat hogs. No. So many people said that, like, you'll probably want to open the show with this. One Epstein passed away. <laughs> and, you know, they're just like, oh, Sweathog dies. And you're like, I know it's not Travolta, but is it Horshack? Is it Boom Boom? Oh, God. And then oh, no can... matter which one, you're, it's gonna, you're gonna feel bad. It can... feels like we're losing Saved by the Bell cast members. Well, what was one Epstein's catchphrase, Fez? Uh, signed Epstein's mother. He would bring in the note mm -hmm. from home to excuse him from whatever. Well, they had a good six-month run as a show. They were at the peak then. All right, we haven't really broke much today. Uh, and we haven't come up with the bet. And if this bet is shitty, Zeets, I'm throwing you out the fucking window. What? And thanks, you're going to be following oh, close behind Jesus. them. I love with the... What? Why would I Because I don't believe that you guys are going to come up with a good bet. It's going to be, one of us gets even more breakfast than we did before. I want an embarrassing bet between the two of okay, you. Okay, we got to huddle up. It's a Super Bowl. I want a super bet. What if you guys got breakfast at lunchtime? That would be embarrassing. Would you be okay with that? Ouch. No. Okay. I want something really super. All right, we break... We're right back, and Unmasked is coming up uh, in just a little bit with Dave Barry. Dave Barry, it's a fantastic Unmasked. We break, we'll come back with more Super Bowl talk. Check out the iBang.
It's the Ron and Fez show. Ron Bennington, Fez Wally. The Ron and Fez show. One, two, one, two, three, four.
buddies. It's the Ron and Fez show, and the excitement level is through the roof. Uh, we're just about a little over one week out of what I'm now calling the superest of Super Bowls. The New York Football Giants. One of the great, That's right. great football organizations of all time. Against the greatest football team of this millennium. New England Patriots. Boom. Led by Tom Brady. This is the Super Bowl of the century. Bet is going down between Chris Stanley and Mark Zito. Mark Zito finds himself, just like he grew up, leaning towards New England. Hicks, buried in the gutters. That is is Astoria, Queens of New York. A-Town. With the New York football giants. Big Blue. Before we get into this, is this a straight-up bet, Hicks? Or... Do you demand points? I'm going straight up. Holy shit. The points can go blow each other. Points, you know, there's a really good point there. Points is for money. This is a point of pride. That's right. That's right. This, this, we're not fucking worrying about a line here. We're worrying about who is going to win the fucking game. And it's going to be the New York Giants. What have you two, and by the way, you're both gentlemen to do this kind of gentleman's agreement. What have you decided to put up on this? Well, if the Patriots lose, Pepper is going to shave his beard, which is grotesquely long at this point. It's a six-month beard. Right so point. wait, let's... For you to shave your beard, the Giants must win? Yes, but he... I mean, he often shaves his beard. He just has chosen not to for some crazy what's reason. The la- what's the last time you've shaved it? Six months ago. And I think we're looking about a solid six, seven inches of neck beard. Yeah, this thing looks fucking crazy. Do There's you, food in it. Do you uh, shave anywhere on your face, or you just no? Lucky enough, most of your face stays clean, and the neck beard drops down. Oh god, it's disgusting though. It's got fucking crumbs in it. I'm sure it smells like cigarettes. Well, it smells like his pants, his shirt, uh, everything else. On yesterday, it, it doesn't was, get laundered. It was well, covered in syrup. Well, why is it bad for you if your team loses if he shaves his beard? Because I'm going to take the beard shavings and glue them to my own face. I'll be applying it in, in whatever pattern I so choose. <laughs> Some type of Ugh. weird, creepy <laughs> beard. He will inherit my beard. Oh, man, that's gross. And I won't be washing. That part of it has nothing to do. Another man's hair, it could be so clean, but super glued to my face is disgusting. Dirty beard hair. Uh, Will you do the Times Square walk? Will you... I'll walk around with this crazy beard on. Yes, sure. I will do that. Well, I will say this, and I expect it, as I've stated many times, to be very disappointed with your bet because you're two slacker losers who really don't follow through. But the shaving a beard and putting it on the other person (laughs) is oddly interesting (laughs) to me. Uh, All right, now, what happens, and this is oddly an if, if the Giants drop this game to the Patriots... If in some weird fucking science fiction storyline alternate Earth, yeah. the Giants were to lose this. I'm going to put up the last thing I have. That's six years worth 
of the luscious locks on top of my head. Oh, your beautiful hair. I don't have many good attributes. The hair will be gone. I put it up. Wow. I haven't had a haircut since August 2006. I remember that was a day that you were touched, uh, and he hasn't been able to cut his hair ever since. Why does the, uh, a boy being touched still get laughs? It always will. Like, ha, ah, rape, rape, <laughs> abuse victim, abuse victim. <laughs> when he was he to defend himself. <laughs> so young. Well. That's right. Now, will that then be taped to Zito's head that he'll wear around? <laughs> yeah, yeah that could definitely happen. <laughs> if you want to, Zito, you're going to wear it around like a beautiful lady. Like you scalp me. <laughs> but I would like to do that, but I feel like... ponytail in the air. I am absolutely shocked by this. Yeah, I'm putting up the hair. My pride. It's this the is... best thing about you, yeah. Yeah. It's the thing that the ladies love you for. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is some healthy, beautiful fucking hair. I condition, Ron. Well, let me just say this. I keep it nice. And this is the odd thing about hair. Your hair is gorgeous. And yet your beard is disgusting. Yeah, it's grizzly. And it's the same head. How gross is the, the beard is so... It's, and people probably don't even know how long and fucking wiry it's gotten. It looks like Brillo pads on his face. Yeah. And then he has like a... Like a nice man. All right, let's get a nice picture, so we'll put it up online right now. We'll put it up on the iBang. Okay. Provided we're allowed to go so inside. Uh, Wish but, I had my beard comb. You know, what we could do is call it World's Greatest Bet. Staring around the hair in my head, face or otherwise. Oh, oh God. I'll make sure it's fucking... The go. beard is gigantic. All right, let me see. All right, well, give it two so we can see the length of the hair. Let's see the beautiful hair. It goes all the way down to my almost my ass. Mm, I don't know about that. It's long <laughs> hair. But I have known chicks. Wow, it's really long. <laughs> I have known chicks that would would say that they would kill to have your hair. Oh, yeah. People, women have stopped me in the street saying, oh, my God, if you ever cut that hair, right. please donate it. What weird women. Women who like good hair. Sorry, Zeets. <laughs> is that where hair extensions come from, old hippies? Yeah. I didn't know that. Now, is this hair going to go to a young child in need? <laughs> if it were... You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this hey, man, can I buy some weed from you, man? <laughs> if... I were to lose, yeah, I would I'd prefer to give it to a cancer kid, sure. <laughs> Poor cancer kid is trying to get a job and get his wig tested for drugs. I have to say, and I, uh, I was ready, you know, I said that the, the guys had to say by today because I was ready to scream and then make them go back and do this over the weekend. This is one of the greatest fucking Super Bowl bets of all time. First of all, taking a man's beautiful hair and shaving it. Ugh. Not some shitty, stupid hair. No, this is fucking good hair. This is fucking primo shit. I can't stand. I can't bear the thought of your head being shaved. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's going to happen though, because yeah, Tom Brady. I'm from, right now. I'm leaning towards Brady. I can't imagine him. I can't imagine him losing twice. I can. 
I just don't see it happening. I mean, I'm, the defense is a little suspect. I'm a little afraid of that, and by a little... A lot. A lot. Like, like when you asked him if he wanted to take the points inside, I was like, oh, please, not the points, because I don't know if I'm that confident, but I'm confident enough the Patriots will definitely win outright to take okay. this thing home. You're going to have bet money on this game? I do have money on the game. How much? Uh, I think a couple hundred. Basically, what I did was I, I took all my... I don't bet a lot in the NFL, but I took all my winnings from the year and just... I'm going to be done after the Super Bowl. So just put it on the Patriots and hope that they pull it out. He's going all in. Been on high lie. Save some of that. <laughs> Save some of it for spring training. That's where I do most of my gambling. My game was always like this. Five bucks, this is a single. Ten bucks, this next thing's a strike. Well, that's some serious action. We I'll would just sit it. down there with all of our fucking cash, just passing it back and forth as the game went on. That's awesome. Oh, that's, that actually makes spring training interesting. It's really fucking good. Well, first of all, spring training is interesting because A, you're drunk. B, you're allowed to smoke. And say you're not working. Spring training, I prefer to actual... And you're sitting two feet away from the ball players. That's awesome. Spring training gives you that opportunity to go, Oh, no, I couldn't hit this guy. You know how like when you're sitting up there, you're going, I think I could hit this guy. When you see those exploding curveballs so close, no. It's impossible. Yeah, you're not. You might go like one for 600. All right, so the world's greatest Super Bowl bet is on the line. It's fucking dead serious, man. Hair versus... My own hair. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> beard hair. Name. <laughs> hair versus beard. Mark, just give uh, Hicks's beard a touch just to get a feel for what could be on your face after this game. Oh, God. It's like, it's like fucking... Pure, hair? Like, yeah. I, it's like, it's just... Uh, yeah. I, I thought it... That's the first time I've touched it since I was like, yeah, I'll do this. And now I'm... Uh, it's disgusting. Uh, can it even be glued to a face? Do we know this for sure? We're not. We're, it, it's going to look really fucked yeah, up. Yeah, it'll stick. <laughs> what if it ends up looking good and you want to keep it? You never know. <laughs> I'll have to reapply it with like some super glue. Like, yeah. I've done that for days. You'll just have to like trim it off. It'll I be, know. I'm going to bring a fucking bag of fucking shavings and I'm going to fucking glue it to your face. I want to get a nice shaving company in here to like... Oh, I, I agree 100%. we got to do it on the air. <laughs> And see if they also have somebody who uh, glues on facial hair. I'll check. Have you ever gone out and had a real professional shave? Uh, I rarely have enough facial hair to have that done. You don't even need that, though, but it just really feels good. Oh, the warm. They get the straight rays, yeah. The warm, they open up all the pores, and you're sitting there, you're going like this. You know what? Even if some mafia guys came in and shot me, I wouldn't care. Because this would be the best way to die. La -dee -da -dee -da 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 -da. Well, great, great bet. It's fucking on. So, and I'm telling you right now, I think the Patriots are going to win by the spread. And I'm, I'm already thinking up a side bet for the spread. I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I'm thinking it up. You're going to put something else up on the line? I don't know. It probably won't be as interesting as gluing his fucking creepy pubes to my face. Be. Look, it's my beard, not pubes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. The beard looks that bad. The beard looks that bad. Your beard's fucking awful. Either way, your chick's a winner here. <laughs> You're going to have a clean Holy shit, I just thought of something. If you fucking shave your head and keep the beard, you're Bugsy McGraw. Oh, my God. You are not. <laughs> fucking look totally psychotic. <laughs> also, bring, bring in a pair of wrestling trunks so that you can give the full fucking look. I'm ready. I think the Patriots got it. I think they're going to go to Indianapolis and just rectify that Super Bowl Sterical. from four years ago. 
I'm still disappointed they lost. It's one of the few, like, sports don't normally affect me, like they affect a lot of people. Yeah. That was one of the few losses where I was like, I can't believe this shit is fucking happening. I, why? Why couldn't they just win this game, have the perfect season? They could lose. Why couldn't they just have the perfect every, season? Well, they, they would have been, <laughs> they would have lived on forever. Forever. And now no one gives a shit. Like, if Brady had won that Super Bowl, he could lose to fucking 50 points by Eli next Sunday. Nothing would have mattered. Wouldn't matter. But if he well, loses again now to Eli, the pressure's on. Now is real pressure. I, I, and I, then, I do agree with that. I think the pressure is on Brady and not Eli. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Eli's fine. No one ever expected him to get to another Super Bowl. He's got his ring. He's never going to be one of the greatest. You know what I mean? They were a joke at the beginning of the season. This is all gravy. They're doing it again on the road. And, I mean, people act like, I mean, obviously when the Patriots went into the Super Bowl 18-0, and that was awesome. But, I mean, they're going in right now, what, 15-3? and It's not, and they're still playing another uh, team that was 9-7 and in the regular season. It's not, they're still significantly better record-wise. Absolutely. So, there's still all that pressure. It should be just another Sunday. Um, <laughs> no, I, I agree with you that if you, if we're going to be honest here, and you look at Brady, and you look at Belichick, you can basically say, these guys were the guys of their generation, even no matter what happens here. You're not going to get away from that being. But if that moves over, then we stop talking about generation and we start talking all time. This makes it all time. Because there was a, uh, a young quarterback in Denver who went five times and no one ever talks about it. You know what I mean? Who cares? You don't compare that with Montana's four wins. No. No, not at all. Elway is never thrown up there, even though he belongs there. Even though all his stats were better than Montana's. All win. his stats were better than Montana's. We still say, but greatest of all time, Montana's based on four games. Fuck yeah. He did it. He got there and he fucking nailed it. It's the weirdest thing. We don't do that with almost anything else. You know, you don't sit around saying that guys... Who won more championships than Michael Je- uh, Michael Jordan? Are the great were greater than Michael Jordan? But we do that. We don't say pitchers need to have these World Series rings. Yeah. But we do it with quarterbacks. Just do seasons. Quarterbacks and boxers have to have the fucking strap. You can't get around. It's true. And the and the other reality is you have to have great wins. Oh. And the weird thing is, Eli's if he wins this has two great wins. The Patriots always get to the Super when they get to the Super Bowl, all the games are by three points. I that always that makes me nervous too. It's like they never have had one of those Super Bowls where you know, oh it's it's in the bag. Both well, the first two were both on last second kicks for the most part. And then the one against the Eagles, the Eagles were driving and could have tied it. Everyone forgets this about Tom Brady. The first Super Bowl at the time was considered the biggest upset of all time. Now it's no longer an upset. No, just because history is like, well, yeah, he was Brady. At that time, nobody even knew who the fuck he was. So we have taken his career, and, and that caused that from being an upset victory. That was still the most fun game I've ever watched in my life. Because it just started out, and you're like, you know what? We made the Super Bowl. That's great. Whatever. We're good. But the Rams, great show on turf. And then... Yeah. Especially when Ty Law, I think it was, picked off that ball and returned it, and it was seven three all of a sudden, and it went into halftime with the Patriots to lead. It was like, holy shit! Could this even happen? What? But you well, knew the Rams were going to because come back. the last time that the Patriots went in, it was against the Bears. Yeah. So they had this thing of, 
you know, that's a basketball town, it's a baseball town, it's a hockey town. No one ever considered that football until this uh, Brady-Belichick run. No, they own that fucking place. I think they lost in 86, like 45 to 10 or something. It was three. Oh. Three. <laughs> I think it was only three points, wasn't it? I think or was so. it seven? It was one or the other. I know there was only one score, and they blamed it on the offense, because the defense... You know, it was a great, that fucking Bears defense. Who was there? They wanted to shut out. Who was their quarterback? Like, Grogan? Like, who? Yeah, it was Grogan, I believe. Super Bowl. 1986 Super Bowl. We're looking back over this stuff. And Four, 46 to 10. Oh. I did not remember that there was 10 points in that. I thought it was only 3 or 7. I definitely didn't think they scored twice in that well, game. Well, they didn't mm. score the 7 until the 4th quarter. And, and Chicago only got a safety in the 4th quarter. So it was pretty well decided. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was 44 to 3. People had wandered away from their TVs. Yeah. Well, that's fucked. So, yeah, I think the line on this game is what? Uh, Giants uh, getting 3? Yeah. Okay. 3 or 3.5 right now. It depends. Um, I don't know. I I have the feeling it's going to be a great Super Bowl. Yeah, it just feels like this is. I mean, first of all, it's been such a great postseason. You know, it's been great fucking games in the postseason. And for a den like this, people are like jokingly saying, oh, "Well, there's a rematch going to happen," and no one. I don't think anyone thought it was actually going to fucking go through. No one thought uh-huh. the Giants could make it through this shit, and for them to be here and to get the game that the media. Every fan, everyone who just enjoys well, football. Here's won. the other part of it that's so weird because this looks like so much like the last time that the Giants fans are oddly, oddly confident. When, like right. you said, they shouldn't be. They haven't had a terrific season. They've had a great postseason. Suddenly, the defense came together. Fuck yeah! Uh, Eli could go great. You never know when that guy's going to go. Great. I think the Patriots fans, though, are for the same reason. As as overconfident compared to last time as the Giants fans are, we're just that weary in the sense of the team the team is not coming in eighteen and zero. There were not many flaws in that two thousand seventeen. Oh, no. This team is just like, oh shit, it's it's yeah. good week. Especially up until last week we hadn't beat a team with a winning record. It's fucking crazy. Well the other part of it too is Whoa. that you guys are so damaged from Yankees fans yelling it at you in the summer. I mean people you know, the mocking that goes back between New York and Boston is just fucking ridiculous. It's a different sport, bro. 18 was a completely different sport. Stop. Stop yelling. Never. I'm drunk. Oh, my God. The Patriots in that 1986 Super Bowl were held to negative 19 yards to the entire first half. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but that defense was fucking ridiculous back then. That defense was fucking deadly. And that that Chicago team, the biggest embarrassment is that they didn't win four. The fact that that team only won one uh, goes to show you how fucking slacker they turned out to be. They were partying even before the Super Bowl. They were partying like fucking week five. (laughs) The the Super Bowl shuffled. Didn't they do the week before the game? A team that had never been to the Super Bowl in their fucking existence. The music video is warranted. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah, it was really obnoxious. <laughs> really fucking obnoxious. <laughs> Jim McMahon actually was one of the more entertaining fucking personalities. You don't even have... Guys are so much more guarded than that now. 
You know, you could never just shoot off your mouth and try to get in trouble, show up places drunk with beer on your shoulder. I can't believe that guy went to BYU. So crazy. And like right after the last game, they're like, you're out of BYU. <laughs> you're not BYU material. Now that you've set all the fucking records. Those colleges should be fucking embarrassed themselves. Should burn them down. Except for Penn State. That's the only college out there that really cares. Cares about the kids. Uh, they care a lot. About their coaches. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do anything to protect you. Paterno's got, Penn a, State. Paterno's got a halo already on that huge mural downtown. Somebody put a halo on him. Well, it was the actual artist. <laughs> yeah. And people are like, do you believe? I'm like, it's their fucking house. You know what I mean? Why would I, why would I have an opinion about that? They, they love this things? man. Let's get it. Let's go fucking throw red paint on that wall. I'm sorry. An 84-year-old man who says to me, I didn't even know there was, you could rape a boy. I don't know if I would disagree. I'm not sure my dad understands that homosexuality runs rampant, you know? <laughs> I don't think he's been exposed to a lot of it. Gays love the fuck. So they just have an insatiable taste for a little boy. I, I don't know. That's pedophiles, know? not homosexuals. Yes, well, synonyms. Different. synonyms, I know. Well, it's still, this was homosexual uh, pedophilia, just like there can be heterosexual Oxymorons. True. You're going to look like an oxymoron wearing his beard. I think you're going to look great. Maybe I'll give you a chin strap. That beard is staying uh, on your face. Wait a minute. I didn't know this. You're back in Hicks up with this? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That's shocking. Then you better get him a lot of carbohydrates in his breakfast. Mm -hmm. I think if the Patriots win, I should also get breakfast for a day or two. That's what I think it's should happen. to me. I think you just might get that as a surprise one day. That's right. Keep waiting. Any day now. You yeah, so do I. You and I both. Just wait there and, and I come in and I'm just like, This is the day and it never is. Pretzel rods again. All right. Uh we're gonna break here and send you into the unmasked. Uh and by the way, for first responders, uh it's at Ray Adverb. At Ray Adverb, or you can check that out over at the iBang on Twitter. Uh, you were a big fan of this, I missed. Dave Barry, one of the. Well, I think it's the only humorist we've ever done before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boy, Zietz is throwing some big names at me. How comfortable are you with, with where you're going now, Zietz? I'm comfortable with a, a, a good number of those. Why don't you just give me seven names right now and you swear to get all of them? I don't. I don't or else you'll, you'll tie your beard to somebody else's shoes or yeah. whatever. Yeah. No, not, no, I'm not going to do that. At Ray Adverb for the first responders or check it out over on the iBang on Twitter. We'll be right back with the Unmasked. I know what you mean. Ron Bennington, Fez Wally. The Ron and Fez Show continues next. Wow. Here's uh, Dave Barry sitting in with us uh, tonight. Um, we've done quite a few of these now. I think we're into 50-some. But you, uh, I was so happy to have on the show because I think you come at humor in a different way than a stand-up comic because you don't get to test your jokes out at all. 
Yeah, that's one of the scarier things about writing humor, and it's also one of the good things about writing humor is that you don't know if you bombed, right. you know, until way later. <laughs> um, but uh, you do actually. I find sometimes like I, I write in a little room with my wife on the other side of the room. She's a sports writer, so we're mm-hmm. both all day on a computer, and I will sometimes go over. And say, read this, and tell me it sucks, because I know it sucks. Just tell me that, and I'll quit, and I'll sell insurance. <laughs> because it sucks, and I have no talent left. And you know, and she always goes, no, it's, I like it. And I go, no, you didn't really like it. Yes, sir, no, really. And I can't believe her, because she's my wife. But that is the extent of my testing, my market testing. There's a dog there, too, but <laughs> she pretty much, you know, whatever I say, she likes. Because it could mean we're about to go for a walk. You know what's great, though, is that your career is at the point where you're saying I have no talent left because uh, at one point when you're younger I have no talent <laughs> and now you've yeah. had enough success that yeah. you can say I have none left but does it, I think everybody who does humor you always think I, you know, because you, you don't really know where it came from, right? And so you don't really know how to go get it again. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And you all, all your fear is like, oh. Then you think, oh, this is great. Oh shit, I did that. Like, can I say shit? By the way, yes, you yeah. can. <laughs> oh shit, I did that like 23 years ago. I just forgot. <laughs> right. You yeah. know. Well, maybe that's good. Maybe if you just get old enough, you just forget everything, and you think you're really you're know, mining a new vein. <laughs> I think I think you're okay if you steal from yourself, though. Are you? Oh, no, that, well, that question has been asked, and because every now and then over the years, I've written so many columns, mm-hmm. and, and you know. I'd write a joke in a column somewhere and I think it was was good and if somebody would you know send me this is why we hate the internet Mm -hmm. you know the a very similar joke from a column I wrote in 1981. Right. You know. Oh man. <laughs> so that's not so good. Well, you know, but the the thing too with a stand-up comedian, he can hone that joke over 14, 15 nights till he'll finally go, okay, now I got it where I want it. You never get that opportunity, even if you're bouncing it off one person. Right. But and, and I don't know if this is the equivalent of that. But when I write, I don't write ever one joke real quick it's like um, to watch me build a sentence is painful you know and I you know I get to the point should it be a squirrel or a weasel you know right and there's a third word and it might take me an hour to make the squirrel weasel decision you know mm-hmm. and then we get to the, you know later on should it be a rutabaga or some other you know it's, so it's very slow painful thing I feel like I'm you know by the end of it I don't know at all if it's funny I know I've really worked hard on it though and, and you know right as much honing as I can can possibly do so that if I give it to any editor and he doesn't like it I tell him he's wrong because right. I, spent, I spent way more time on that sentence than you did you know writing it than you did reading it see most of us think that you write half hour a day you're done and you have a great life this is the illusion uh, <laughs> and I, I do have a great life uh-huh. uh, I mean you know I every day I look out the window at people driving by in cars going to work and I think mm-hmm. thank God I'm not one of those people right. you know, I have nowhere to go you know and, and I, if I got there I wouldn't know what to do but but I, I do have to I do spend hours and hours and hours um, cranking up very little material it's not like I um, <laughs> no it's, it's agonizingly slow you want it to look like if you write a, when I was writing weekly humor comms I wanted it to look like it's like a half an hour and I was drunk right but truth is if I was drunk it would be 45-50 minutes sometimes no <laughs> no it would take me sometimes a couple of days to write mm-hmm. you know a column because I just I'm just a slow writer but it does always kind of feel like a conversation it's it supposed feels, to yeah. it's supposed, well there's an old saying in writing it's um, write hard read easy write easy read hard 
you know, if you don't put the effort into writing it, it will show in the reading of it. Um, and I find that to be really true with humor writing. It has to be really tight. Um, it, it, the, you, you can't misplace the punchline. You can't, you, you know, the timing matters in, in writing, just not maybe the same way as in stand-up, but it really matters. Yeah. Timing a sentence. I, I've over the years gotten tons and tons, way more than I ever want, of writing from people who want to be humor writers. And most of it's terrible. Um, right. And, and the reason is because they didn't spend a lot of time writing it. They, you know, they, they just thought of a funny idea and kind of threw it down. Uh, and it might be you know, potentially funny somewhere in there, but it won't read that funny because they didn't, they didn't really figure out how to time it. And well, you know, the other interesting thing is a lot of comics... Have I'm glad you stopped me in that. Because I, was, I, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know where I was going with right. that. Thank, thank you. I, 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 I saw like a desperate look I'm in your eyes. I'm going to take a drink. I'm like, I am not going to let you drown this early. Ryan, I'm going to stay with you. Yeah. you. You talk for a while now. <laughs> well, there's a lot of comics that have put out books, which is really just their acts. And you read it, and it's not nearly as funny as their stand-up. And you're like, well, this A is the HBO special, and B, this doesn't work here. This is really true. And that, that I had to learn a lot about speaking humor mm-hmm. after I started writing humor. And I would write books, and they'd want you to go on a book tour and talk about your book or then I would get hired by some group to go entertain them because I'm you know supposed to be funny and exactly what we said, I've learned that something that can be hilarious when you read it just to yourself right. if you speak it out loud it may just die it must be awful and something that if you read it might not appear to be that funny if you say it just the right way will kill people but you have to learn and the, the second one you have to almost have to learn by trial and error in front of a an audience. Well, the interesting thing, you, your, your book uh, Lunatics that you have out now, uh, you're not writing in your Dave Barry voice at all. So, as a reader, you've got to find, uh, you know, the character voice for yourself. Yeah, and and, and that it's kind of confused some people. I think, and, and some people, this right. is a fictional character. <laughs> yeah. What, what happened is um, uh, Alan Zweibel, who I'm believe you've had on this show. Yes, I did. And I wrote this book, and each each of us writes a character. His character is sort of like him. is like a mm-hmm. really nice, lovable, kind of good, good-natured, goofy guy. My character is a complete asshole. Yeah. <laughs> Beginning to end is just a horrible human being. You know, I don't think that that's really me, you yeah. know? <laughs> I was looking for, you know, a contrast to Alan's character. He sent me the first chapter of this wonderful loving guy, and I thought, this book's got to have some edge to it. I'm going to be, you know, this just complete jerk. So I write in that voice of this jerk. It isn't, and, and when, like, when he tells a joke, this guy, my character, mm-hmm. it isn't a joke I would ever tell. Right. Um, but it's what I think a guy like that would think was funny. So that's, that's the difference. Was that more fun for you to write from that... Was, absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, Alan had a harder time because my guy could always be relied on to do something just really stupid and wrong. Mm-hmm. Alan kind of had to figure out how can make his guy funny without doing a lot of stupid wrong things because he's a nice man. The funny thing about it is it's such, you know, you write a chapter, you send a chapter to him, he writes a chapter. It seems like the worst idea you could possibly do <laughs> to finish a book. It could go very, very wrong. <laughs> yeah. Very, very wrong. Um, yeah, we, we called it improvisational novel writing. Right. Uh, we, I've written some books with a guy named Ridley Pearson. Uh, young adult fiction, prequels mm-hmm. to Peter Pan, not, not humor books at all, just you know, books for Disney that have done well and everything. And Ridley is really type A, 
and he like we have to know the whole plot beginning to end before we start writing anything which I understand is sort of traditional in novel writing this is why Bell I don't think he's ever written a novel well he may have anyway yeah, he, has. he has but in this case, he just like sent it to me. I'd send something back. He said, and we're like basically just trying to top each other and make the other guy laugh. Right. And at some point, you know, like I don't know, a third of the way through, halfway through, we sold it to a publisher. So that is like actual money involved. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm saying, Alan, do you think we should have a plot? <laughs> 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 He's going, maybe, maybe we, maybe we should have a plot. And so we we met here in New York. I was up here for something. We went to dinner, and I really thought at the dinner we were going to discuss the plot. We sit down, we order some drinks, and there was like some basketball game on, so we were looking at the basketball game. Like, you know, three or four drinks later, dinner's over, and everything. We never really talked about the plot, and so at the, like at the end, he was like, "We need a plot," and then we went home. You know, we didn't <laughs> just agreed to that, and then yeah, we kind of agreed we should have one, and then we kept writing the book and more and more, and then finally. Uh, I said we need we need an ending, you know. <laughs> otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, it will never stop. You know, we can't just keep going. This, you know, the book is due in a month, you know. And so then he said, yeah, we should, you know. So we had another meeting, which also produced nothing. <laughs> so um, then I I just said, let's like heck, we end it this way, and that's that's how we did it. It wasn't really the traditional way of you know of plotting a book. The the book it reminds me of Terry Southern uh, early stuff because what? that's great. It, yeah, because it just keeps getting yeah. crazy. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, this is the crazy part of the book, so... Yeah, like, we'll fairly early on, these guys, these are two... Uh, can I just summarize? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, the, the book is like it's um, two, two soccer dads. Um, they're suburban dads, you know, and they, they're, their kids playing soccer. And uh, one of them is a referee. That's the character that uh, Alan wrote, Philip Horkman. And the other one's the father of one of the girls. That's my character, Jeffrey Peckerman. And um, <laughs> Horkman... The, the referee calls off sides on Peckerman's daughter, and Peckerman, of course, being an asshole, <laughs> is outraged. The end of the match, and it turns out to be the key call of the game. And at the end, there's a little confrontation. And as Alan writes it in his first chapter, it's a beautiful day. As Rockford just only this one guy was a little annoyed by a call, but other than that, a wonderful day. And my guy, you know, being this chapter, I want to kill him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so these two guys, they don't like each other. They have this little confrontation after a soccer game but they don't expect to ever see each other again and a series of events occurs fairly quickly so that within two days these men have accidentally without intending to hijacked a clothing optional cruise ship (laughs) and that is really the very beginning of things that is by no means the worst thing that happens to these men and every chapter just keeps popping over and you're like well these guys you guys really were in a shootout this whole time who can take you to the weird place yeah it's like uh, like Alan said you you get the chapter and you go oh okay Mr. Funny Man yeah then you deal with this you know <laughs> so, which I you know kind of like re- revenge was more the motive than, than yeah. plotting really in a way Alan is such an extremely funny guy and he did do the show and Alan has written Saturday Night Live and Larry Sanders he's just great but the day that he came here he walked down Broadway on like the hottest day of the year and he was so when he got here he never stopped sweating for the <laughs> entire hour and people were starting to worry if he was having a stroke 
child or something horrible was wrong with him. And it was just, it was like so funny because it was like being in one of his sketches. Yeah. You know what I mean? Was he, was he apologizing? Yeah, just constantly. Yeah, he's like, like today, we did this, we did this one of these uh, TV um Tours, you know, satellite tours where you sit in a room like this, and there's like you're sitting there, you have a thing in your ear, and a microphone plugged in, and a camera in front of you, and they go, "Now we're going to Indianapolis. You'll be talking to Toby and Tammy, you know, and <laughs> yeah. you be three minutes with them. And now we're going to San Antonio, and I'm talking with Bobby and Billy, you know, and, and you just go around the country like that, and you do it like for three hours. You're sitting in this room, and they had behind us the, the cover of our books, like biggest, and we're looking at ourselves on this monitor the whole whole time. <laughs> and after like about the fifth show, Swybell goes. Yes, <laughs> I have an enormous head. <laughs> he goes, look at look at my head compared to your head. <laughs> I gotta say, on the screen, it looked like his head was twice. As, and I said, well, do you think like maybe my head is just small? He goes, no, no, your head is is normal. I have it really, in, and this, and it happens that the book, uh, I'm, this is radio, but I'll show the audience here. It has the you know the title of the book, Lunatics, vertically printed, and and he's going like, look, my head starts at the U and goes all the way up to like the C and your, your, your head is just like the N-A-T man. <laughs> and, so, and, and that's how, who he is he's very, but he's kind of like that about writing too um, he's insecure like I, sure. I am so used to like when I finish something I think okay it may not be the greatest thing I ever wrote but it's funny it's good nobody's going to mess with this this right. is good you know I'm, I'm, I know when I'm you know and, and he is like he when we're writing this book Every like other sentence he, he would he would send it to, to Billy Crystal, you know. He's like, Billy, what do you think of this? Like, Billy likes that sentence. I'm going to, <laughs> and and like like we're like I'm not in that world. I don't send anything to anybody ever until it's done. And we're like we've written like you know three chapters, and he goes, uh, uh, he goes. Uh, um, Steve Carell's people love it. <laughs> That's like, love what? What do you mean? They love it. They love it. We don't even know what it is yet. You know, he's constantly checking in to he, see if he's he, okay. He's from that world. He's yeah. from. He's from that world of of you know joint collaborative writing. Right. I I was never I never experienced that until in two thousand and three. Steve Martin um, hosted the Oscars. It was his second time, mm-hmm. and he asked me if I would be one of the writers. and And I had never written um, for TV, never written for another comic, never written collaboratively. And um, and so, but I said yes because he said there were my wife could go to and sit in like row three at the Oscars. So basically, she leaned over and typed yes, <laughs> and her, <laughs> you know, says and and I was nervous about it. And I and I go out there and and I, I just wasn't familiar with this whole concept of being in the room. They call it the room. Sure, um, you know, he's good in the room. Uh, <laughs> and what that means is that in the those of you who are in comedy already know this, but the, you know, the room full of people throwing out ideas, and you know. Coming up with ideas, and some people can be really good in a room who really don't ever think of a single joke, but they react well to right. somebody else's joke, or they build on it, you know, that kind of thing. And what when I I came in with the mindset, and I have to have a, a complete good joke before I can say anything. You know, I can't even say a word. So I'm like sitting there for two days, I didn't say anything, and they're all taught. And then I finally realized the process was. 
Um, you might just say, you know, part of a joke, and somebody else will say, oh yeah. And I was, they weren't trying to knock each other down. Right. They would t- they would always say, yeah, okay, we could do that, and they'd go it, and 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 they, you know, they, and then after a while, the, the joke would go round and round, and it'd be a completely different joke. And everybody sort of owned it at that point. And then if Steve Martin liked it, he'd get up and do it in the room, and everybody laugh, and that was like, oh, that's that's really, and I kind of liked it. I don't think I would want to do it for a living, but but um, but the, he's used to that. Alan is. Yeah, that is Alan's world, and he's written like that for a long time. But even when he was a young comic, he used to come in and out of the city with Billy Crystal, who is like the most naturally funny person. I mean, whether you're a big fan of his or not, he's unbelievable at his craft. And to have to ride back after you've had a shitty set next to a guy who's a natural comedian, you know, I don't know whether he'll ever get comfortable. I don't know whether Alan will ever no, say, yeah. but part of his charm is that he's just terminally insecure. Right. You know, and, and, and unhappy. And he's just extremely Jewish. <laughs> yes. He is, if there is like another power of Jewish. Yeah, he's like is beyond Jewish, right. whatever like that would be. Yeah, yeah. And you live in Miami, and you don't run into people that's Jewish. Oh no, well my wife is Jewish. Uh-huh. She's, she's Cuban Jewish. Um, yeah, Jew, Jubin, they call Jubin. it. Yeah, they, yeah. They didn't they didn't come in rafts. They parted the Caribbean. Oh, <laughs> they, that's good. He's good in the room. Say this is it. The starting spot. Oh, that's my old Jubin joke. But anyway, no, but she's not nearly as Jewish as Alan is. No, no one. Alan should have had like five. He should have had like five bar mitzvahs. Yeah. How did you two uh, hook up together? How did you become friends? Well, it was Steve Martin um, in 2005. We got the uh, Mark Twain Award. It was mm. the big award in D.C. And uh, he asked me to be one of the presenters. And one of the others was Larry David. And Larry David asked Alan to write his his speech. And so uh, the the deal was that Larry David would go if Alan could go too. And so I met him at this, you know, hanging around the green room and the, the hotel bar and stuff like that. And we liked each other. We hit it off. We saw each other at a couple more, um, you know, book events. Mm-hmm. And and he kept saying um, this again in a very collaborative. He said, "We should do something together. We should do something together." And I'm like, "What? Do what? You know? Wait, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna come and like help me type what?" <laughs> um, and but he meant, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't know what. He just thought we should, you know, he liked, you know, the idea. And then he came up with this idea for the book um, because we had a conversation once about soccer because my daughter plays in soccer league, and I was talking about what assholes the parents were, you know, that right. And I just and he. He said, "We could, you know, maybe." And that's then he's that's where he came up with this first chapter that he sent me. Isn't it amazing too? Like you said, the parents are assholes. Didn't you think like your generation would have been the cool yes. generation? <laughs> yes, because I remember when we played Little League. We said, "We'll like, never do that." Yeah, we'll not. That'll never be us. Yeah. Well, my like I I this I'll say this in all seriousness. When I was a kid, I I grew up in Armonk, New York, and and I played Little League there. My parents never came to watch us play Little League. <laughs> they didn't care. You know, like a Little League. Why would they want to come and watch kids really play badly based a boring game, you know? Yeah. So we played. It was Little League was for us. Ride a bike down, play Little League, ride home. You know, th- I think it all went wrong when parents started showing up and caring about the games. Because what I have found is, in like in Miami anyway, the parents care way more sure. than the kids do. I mean, the kids care when they're actually kicking the ball. They really do. They want to kick the ball. They want to score. They might even get mad. But as soon as the game is over, they're like kids again. 
the parents are like they want to file lawsuits <laughs> you know they're not done they're not done with this and you know here's the thing none of them are going to be pros these kids are not going to compete against the Brazilians and Argentinians they, they don't stand a chance your kid is just playing now and that's yeah. going to be it yeah they should have like a coach that goes up and says by the way you kids you really suck at this sport right. get out there and try but you're not that good yeah and you'll never be that good have fun just yeah. have some fun with it have fun and learn enough about the game so in a few years when you're watching on TV you'll know what the hell you're looking at or you'll be able to say boy I really sucked when I tried that yeah <laughs> it is the craziest thing though is like the harder we try as parents I think the worse we're getting well I agree with you I, I, I don't understand when it became our responsibility to make everything perfect for our children mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm living in a world now in Miami where and I, I hate to single out any particular one gender the moms right <laughs> they're out of their minds you know they can't deal with the idea that anything wrong or bad or unsettling or un would ever happen to their children and you think well what do you think is going to happen when your child actually you know is you, when you're not there right you know and has to actually deal with a problem on his or her own you know what are you, how are you preparing these these kids and it's gotten to the point where like kids are in college and when they have a problem with the professor they their mom you know they hand the phone <laughs> can you imagine yeah. like i went to college i didn't see my parents for like years when i went to college <laughs> it was the 60s you know they didn't know where i was i didn't know where they were it was fine you know i was in college you know you're away for busy. a while they yeah. were busy i think really think we could use that more of that though like we're grown-ups there's like hey you know, I'm a grown-up, you're a kid, you know, you deal with your things, I'll deal with my things, they don't really need to, because, you know, by the time you're in sixth grade, you should be able to handle a lot of these things. Well, Get the, a job. Yeah. yeah. They're always doing that thing, too, of, like, uh, the bullying stuff. Is real like like it's new, uh, yeah, you know? yeah. Or like ADD is new, <laughs> right? ADD, ADD is being a boy. Right. Like all of a sudden, you know, the has ADD. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a big case. But really, the deal with bullies is just get a bunch of friends. It's really the <laughs> best thing. Come back with four other guys. Well, yeah, but you're you no, know, you're right. I mean, learning to deal with things like that. Yeah. Sooner, sooner or later, you do have to. Yeah, jump a fence. Yeah. There's all kinds of things you can do to get out of this. Uh, We're but, not suggesting weapons. No. But if he backs them down. But, <laughs> but it is true that we that there's no there's no such thing as like problem solving now because, you know, God forbid anybody should get their feelings hurt. Do we sound like a couple of old farts here? Yeah. Why these kids today? <laughs> but we probably would have been saying the same same thing years ago you know what I mean like it probably never dawned on us even that we were being bullied or we were bullying no, people I, yeah well, you're I mean, just well, being well, a kid exactly I mean like yeah. I know when I was a kid there were big scary hairy boys that would hit you if you got too close to them you know? right. so you didn't get that close to them yeah. you know whatever um, yeah the scariest word ever when you're a little kid is when one of your friends would yell teenager <laughs> because that's almost like if someone yelled shark and you're in the water yeah. now you know if you heard one of your friends yelled teenager you just started yeah, running because they were all because teenagers were legally allowed to hit you back yeah. then you know it was like, that was like sort of part of requirement of being a teenager um 
What what makes you? Are you surprised that you stayed with humor after all these years, too, or did you think it was going to be just a way into writing? Or no, I was surprised that I uh, was able to make a living at you know mm-hmm. at humor writing at all. I mean, it was a while before I did. I was in my thirties before that's really what I did for a living, and it didn't occur to me. If you had told me, you know, and asked me in in like high school or college, what would you like to do for a living? I said, well, I'd like to sit around in my underwear and make up jokes. You know? Right. But I didn't <laughs> think there was such a job, you know, <laughs> out there. So I always assumed that I would, you know, like, I like humor, I like to read humor, I like to write humor. I thought I was a pretty funny guy. But it never occurred to me that was a career, a, mm. a possible career path. So I, I went, uh, got a job in a newspaper, and then I got a, uh, I was in between, uh, I, I ended up at the Associated Press, and I hated that, so I got a job teaching effective writing seminars. So I'm now uh, in my 30s with a family to support, mortgage to pay, flying around the country you know, going to a company like Union Carbide or, or um, uh, Univac, which they don't even exist anymore, I guess. And companies like that, and, and there'd be a bunch of chemists or engineers or accountants or computer programmers, and I would tell them how to write, you know, business reports. And I, you know, that's what I did. And then, you know, I still thought I was a pretty funny guy, but it didn't occur to me. But in, uh, in the, my, my spare time, when I'm sitting in the hotel room or at the airport, I would write a longhand and a legal pad humor columns. And I got them into my local newspaper, where I used to start out as a reporter, the Daily Local News of Westchester, Pennsylvania, which sounds like the newspaper Superman delivered (laughs) as a boy. And um, and and they, you know, they were paying me twenty two dollars a week to write this this humor column. And I was in my thirties, and I really thought, okay, that's it. I can get twenty two dollars a week uh, doing this. And so. It, I didn't know there was a career, you know, there. It happened to me. Uh, what happened was, I um, when my son was born, um, uh, they, back then I don't know if they still do this. I hope not. They had this thing called natural childbirth. It was all the rage <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with all the yuppies. <laughs> where, like, when I I don't know when I was born, when you were born, like. The dad was nowhere near it, and the the the, the woman had to be there. Um, but they gave her drugs. Like they gave her heavy. She would like wake up the kid is in fourth grade. They gave her heavy heavy drugs. So like nobody really had to see this happen, except the doctors who were being paid to be there, you know. But by the time I came along, it was like this hippy dippy thing we had to do where you you know the, you're supposed to be there with and there were supposed to be no drugs because you didn't need drugs because you could breathe in a certain magical way <laughs> to deal with the contractions which is like the word contractions itself is like a lie I mean pain <laughs> they don't even call it pain that is what it is it's horrible pain so you go to these classes where and I have a point here I am making a point <laughs> you have these classes where they sit around and they talk about childbirth and you know they show you a picture of the uterus and everything and they teach you how to teach your wife to breathe and coach her to breathe in a certain way when the baby comes then of course when you actually get to the childbirth and, I, and you tell your you know wife to breathe, she goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> can't breathe. You know, she's going to scream like all the other women. She's going to scream for drugs. You know, um, and and so anyway, long story short, I I wrote a 
I did a long essay about that, about the difference between the classes and childbirth. And it was just exactly the right time for that essay because I, I'm the baby boomer. I was born in 1947. Everybody in the world was having a baby that year and everybody in the world was taking the same classes. And a lot of these people had entered the newspaper business <laughs> one way or another. So this, this essay um, it was printed in the Philadelphia Inquirer and it, it was just this huge hit. Um, I got a... a Call that like the day after it was printed, and the the Philadelphia Inquirer paid me two hundred and fifty dollars for this essay. And I got a call at my house from the editor of the Sunday magazine, magazine, the Chicago Tribune, and he said, "I liked your piece on childbirth, and I'd like to run it in the the Tribune magazine." And I said, "Oh, great, thanks." And he goes, "How much you know do you want for it?" And I'm thinking, "Well." They already paid me two hundred fifty. <laughs> yeah, right. So I said, "Well, how about fifty uh, dollars?" <laughs> and there's this pause, and he goes, "We pay five hundred for a reprint." I go, "Okay, okay." <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think if I'd have gone twenty-five, he might have gone to a thousand. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but that was like the the epiphany for me, the discovery that you could write something and more than one person would pay for it, and also that would that story. Everybody, every magazine editor in the country saw it sooner or later. So they all started saying, well, what else have you written? I said, well, I have this little humor column I've been writing. And they said, well, send us some. And I started sending it out. And that's how I, that's how I got started. But my, I guess my point is, that all happened to me rather than me making it happen. I mean, I was writing, I was doing my best and I was enjoying it. Right. Happy to get $22, really. Um, but I didn't think, oh, I, you know, this is the career path I can take to become a, a professional humor writer. So you didn't go out and market it, but you did have the work once opportunity showed up. Yeah. A lot of people and just this, have one thing. And then it was a flood. Right, yeah. yeah, right after that. I mean, but, and it, the, the advantage I had is at that point, I'd been writing that column for seven or eight years. You know, every week I'd been writing humor. So it wasn't like I had one thing written. Yeah. Know? That's a mistake a lot of you know, young people, they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll write one thing, then they want you to discover them. You know, and I get it. They'll send me that one thing. I wrote this. I think it's funny. Can I get syndicated? Yeah. You know that. And no, you know, no. <laughs> Probably. You really are getting paid for all the work that you didn't get paid for. You Let's know what I mean? Like, tell people that. You yeah. know, uh, it's not like free money, is what you're saying. Yeah. I earned it. I yeah, you have. I mean, you you you, you no, know, you have the craft down as well as the. But here's the thing too about you is like people expect to feel and think like you with your column. I don't think that you could ever just write something like, God, I hate cops. I mean, I, you know, when you think about it, they're just pigs. You know, <laughs> if you just did that, that would, might be it. You know, you've got to stay relatable in the way that, like, let's say Jerry Seinfeld needs to stay relatable. Yeah, I, although I think if you're fairly true to yourself, I mean, if you're really writing what you think is funny and mm -hmm. you're, not, you're not trying to market yourself, you don't really have to worry that much about that, you know, about messing it up. What... I've always said, like, this is like such cliche sounding advice, but if you just write what you think is funny and you really stick to that, you'll do much better than if you look around at what you think is hot now or what, mm -hmm. you know. You, you you may you may never make it, but you'll if you do make it, you'll make it more consistently if you're writing what you really believe is is right. So there was never any column like, hey, I can't 
I can't send this one out. It's well, there. I have written columns that I thought, you know, when I read them later, weren't that great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, one of the things I did that that I did right was from the start when I got hired to work for the full time as a newspaper columnist. I wrote one column a week. Now I would sometimes write other things. This is the Miami Herald, but I, I would. I said, I'm going to write one column a week because I write really slowly and I don't want to write a crappy column. Because, you know, I had seen, back then, there were lots of people writing humor in newspapers and some people were trying to write them every day Mm -hmm. or, you know, four a week and they're just not going to be consistently good. I mean, unless you're some kind of drug-crazed genius and then you're going to die after like six weeks. Right. (laughs) But it is hard to turn down money. If someone says, uh, you know, if you just double this, you get twice the money. But that was the advantage I had was I kind of already was making a living and I could I was started developing a pretty good um you know freelance humor thing. I didn't I, I could say here's what I wanted if if you want me to come work for your newspaper, this is what I will want to do. And it's all I want to do. And they you know, they they said okay. So I was like I had a great guy as an editor named Gene Weingarten who's now a a columnist of the Washington Post uh, and a lunatic. I mean, he's really an insane human being. And somehow he was put in charge of the Sunday magazine at the at the Miami Herald, and he would let me do whatever I wanted. So, uh, but uh, I think one of the things that worked out for you too is like you already knew who you were by the time your break came along. Right. Like I was you. I was a, a dad in my thirties, mm-hmm. and yeah, I didn't feel like I had to to change too much to be what I wanted to be. Um. This you've already sold to Hollywood, right? Yeah. Well, again, Alan Zweibel. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Um, he he's so plugged in. He knows everybody. You know, like everybody knows. And and uh, he he got uh, Steve Carell's production company. He's doing something else with them, whatever. But before we had finished the book. He had them wanting to buy it, and so we, we ended up with some kind of movie deal. Before the book actually got published, we started having these conversations, and I, I don't know if you've ever been in these conversations with people in Los Angeles about movies, <laughs> but it's, the first thing you want to do is change everything. <laughs> like this, this is going to end up being about a horse in World War One. You know? <laughs> before we're done with it. Um, and they want you to have character arcs and all this, you know, and fortunately, Alan can do that. Right. Talk to those people. So we have these conference calls where I say almost nothing. I go, hey, good. And then that's, that's the, you know, fine. Good to hear you. How? And then Alan talks to them. And then when it's over, I call him up and say, what, is, what do we have to do? And he goes, nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> He's good in the room. He knows yeah, how. He really is. To really say this is all going great. I love what you're saying. Yeah. I'm going to hand you back the same exact work. Yeah. Yeah. No, he'll, he'll, he's made it clear that we have to be complete whores about this. Right. Yeah. We have to change whatever they want because they bought it. You know, if I get that. I'm with that. So I'm, is the hope that Carell is going to do yeah, one of he, the parts? Yeah, he is, as we say, I've now learned, attached. Yeah. All right, he's, he's attached. attached. <laughs> and is anyone else attached? attached? Yeah. Um, Alan and I are attached to write the screenplay. Right. But he's going to write it because I don't know how to do that. I don't even have the computer program. That <laughs> to write that. the screenplay? Yeah, I don't know how to I don't know. You have to indent a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> or they, they, they throw you out. You know? No. Indent, don't. You laugh. If you try the wrong indenting in your screenplay, they'll know. They go, huh, rookie. <laughs> well, you've done stuff with Hollywood before, right? Yeah, well, in a, in a way, not as a, as a writer. Um, I had a book called Big Trouble. Uh, that was a novel, first novel I wrote. They got made into a movie. Um, 
it was actually a, made into a big movie that went nowhere because it had a uh, key plot element was and uh, was a bomb on a plane. Hilarious! <laughs> 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 it was due to come out on uh, September twelfth, two thousand and one. <laughs> that is not that is absolutely true. And so I got a call September eleventh is we're not releasing this movie. Um, but, you know, and then when it did come out, it kind of came out way late and and with very minimal. Pain. So it's still out there on cable. Right. You still see it around. There, um, but but it didn't. It really it didn't go anywhere. But I had no real input into that. Um, I had creative control over the check they sent me, mm-hmm. or, which was nice. It was great. But and they filmed it in Miami. And they let me come and watch. But it was Barry Sonnenfeld, and you know, I never knew even what I would say if I was supposed to say something. Yeah, but a great director, and you had great people in it. Was it. A wonderful cast. Janine Garofalo and and Tim Allen was the. It was like big cast. Yeah. So, Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, but it is very. I mean, even he was in it. Even if you had a film coming out today with a bomb on a plane, I still don't know. I think it still might be too soon for people. You know. Yeah. Uh, You know, once we pass that threshold. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, my idea was, and it was based on sort of loosely based on reality. There, there was a. uh, the, the the plot premise was that these two guys, without realizing it, have stolen what they think is a suitcase full of emeralds, but it's actually a suitcase nuclear nuclear device, which was sold out of a bar in Hialeah. <laughs> um, and at the time, there was a bar in Hialeah closed down by the FBI because it was selling Russian... Um, they were afraid it was they were going to sell a missile. So it was kind of close to, you know, in, in Miami, everything you, you think is untrue turns out to be true. So, sure. <laughs> so my, my, this was based on uh, airport security at the time, which was pretty hilarious. Mm-hmm. Where the main thing was you would have to show you could turn your computer on. And for some reason, you know, I don't know if you remember this, if you had a laptop, they'd say, would you turn that on? You know, and you turn it on. For some reason, that made it okay. Like, it would be impossible to make a bomb that if you turn it on, you know what I mean? <laughs> You remember this? Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I turned my computer on for more people, and I never. I, and I thought, okay, so what if this suitcase bomb looks a little bit like a computer? And they go through, and these two guys who don't even know what they think it's emeralds, they're going through security at Miami International Airport, and they say, "What is that?" And they go, "This is okay." And they say, "Well, you have to turn it on." So they turn it on, which means they have activated the nuclear weapon. That was, the, in other words, airport security makes them turn on their bomb. Um, but that was the comedy premise, which seems much funnier. Sure. <laughs> 9-11. Well, that was your big Hollywood experience. And Alan, of course, uh, has had some Hollywood experience, including a film called North. Which, uh, is you know, he still carries Roger Ebert's review <laughs> yeah. in, his, in his wallet. And I, uh, this is not a direct quote, but it's... Uh, I hated, 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 hated this movie. Yeah. And that is, uh, I think he, he still puts out books under that title with new movies. You know, that, that, Bieber. that yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, I that hated, review, hated this movie. Yeah, that review became so famous that he's added new movies to it. Um, so there, with this background of, of great luck that you guys have, uh, lunatics... <laughs> Should really be greenlit and on the fast track there. Well, as you know, they everything that everybody tells you in in, in Hollywood is a lie. Right. Um, so even when they think they're telling the truth, it turns out they're lying. You know, they don't know it, but they, they love it. 
But I've learned over the years that they love everything. That the, the, the kind of the, the the least thing they can say about anything is that they love it. Right. So they really love it. They love lunatics. They love what we've done so far. They love everything, which tells me nothing. Nothing right. at all. Well, it's impossible for them to say we don't like it in case they're wrong. And then they, they cease to be important. I think that's true. I think a, and I think Alan points out, there's a tremendous fear of making a mistake. Mm-hmm. So it, it, that's why... And I think this is true in a lot of, uh, in not just movies, television, music, everything. people who are in control of the money, but who don't know how to make the product. That is, a, I'm a musical producer, but I don't know how to make music myself. They tend to think the safest thing to do is whatever has already worked. Right. What they tend to, they want whatever they just got. It's the same in the book industry as well. So but you learn to just sort of ignore what they think they want. Why do those people want to be in a creative industry when they're not creative? That's the because they get thing. to wear really cool suits. Okay. And hang around with stars. Right. I think that might be kind of much of the. And no, but that's a very good question. Why are people who have no creativity attracted to fields involving? I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Because eventually, the, those same stars that they want to be around end up hating them. You know, at a certain point, those stars will just say, I hate this guy. Uh, I don't know whether you saw David Cross on TV the other night, but ripping a movie that he was doing. Wait, he's ripping the movie he's promoting? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He didn't even wait till it it was done being in the theaters? No, no. Don't go see this movie. It's still out there. And uh, it was incredibly funny. Seriously, what did he say? Uh, Well, it had to do with, and I don't know why I didn't think that the album in the Chipmunks third movie <laughs> wasn't going to you know scratch that artistic itch uh, that he had but basically since he did the first they kept making him come back yeah. you know so he's more and more pissed off so he shows up on TV just attacking it it was just amazing was he drunk? no 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 he was um quite sober people don't people don't get on TV drunk enough the way they used to no no it used to be great I once there, this is very Pat Sajak no, nobody remembers this but Pat Sajak in I believe the 90s had a show, had a briefly had it was part of his deal I think you know so successful with Wheel of Fortune he had a talk show and Pat Sajak Letterman he was right before Letterman yeah, and he's actually a pretty funny guy mm-hmm. Pat Sajak and I am the, I think the only person who was ever on that show twice because it was only on the air for like <laughs> two nights really <laughs> well, I never had, like, and it was kind of like a show that was just getting its footing, so they couldn't get like a lot of A-list people. Like mm-hmm. they had people like me, you know. So I'm out there, and the the main guest that I was there was a David Carradine, uh-huh. and and so I'm there and back in the green room, and David Carradine, and David Carradine shows up hammered really just staggering hammered into coming into the green room and proceeds to start drinking more and I'm standing where there with the you know the producer of my segment and she's going over what I'm gonna and she's looking more and more concerned anyway the show starts and Dave and, and she said oh, you know I'm just gonna follow David Carradine make sure he gets out there okay you know Sadek's doing his monologue and everything and I kind of follow her. And we're also like, Dave Kiernan's standing there, like, weaving back and forth. And then the producer and me, and, and, and he's, and here he is, you know, David Carradine. Yeah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, he, and he takes, like, three steps and falls down. <laughs> <laughs> On stage, he fell right down. And I could see, say, Jack's face, like, you know, the, and the audience, of course, roars. They figured this is all part of the... Right. Stick. The slapstick of David Carradine. Yeah, the... the <laughs> 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 Who is 
famous for it. <laughs> and, and, um, and, and then he gets up and kind of staggers over to the set, and, and, and uh, the producer grabs me and goes, your segment's going to go really long tonight. <laughs> so they, Garrity does, they do this kind of like really random raving interview, and it goes like four minutes, and, and Sajak says, well, it's been great. Having, and, and Garrity goes, what is that? I blew all that here from Montana. Get him up, and I did do like a half an hour. Sajak's actually state capital. We ran out of everything, you know. So, but there used to be more of that. Yeah, there was. There used to be shows where people were drinking and smoking on the air, you know, real alcohol, you know, and real. Dick Cavett show when Norman Mailer would come out and be ready to fist fight but you know uh, Carradine and who thought that there would be two David Carradine stories on the same show but there was an amazing Tonight Show that he did when George Carlin was hosting and Carradine for some reason had just written everything on his arm that he wanted to plug and you know he's like don't, sitting, don't make me don't uh, wait till I've swallowed my soda before you he's like sitting in the lotus position and he's like reading things off and then finally Carlin just grabs his arm and just starts here I'll do it and starts starts to read his arm back to him and it's stunning but yeah you you just won't see people well the, the spontaneity is kind of it's yeah. gone away it's gone away from from you know, if you go on a show, like almost any talk show now, it's so scripted and, and you know, you've been yeah. pre-interviewed and then and that's, I'll tell you who doesn't do that and I really love his show is, is Craig Ferguson. Right. Um, they'll, they'll say, you know, they may talk about a few things you could talk about, but what they won't do is, so what if he asks you this and then they listen for your, you know, answer and if it makes right, and you can never tell because they're like reptilian whether they think it's funny or not, right. you know, they'll go, okay, no, we don't want to do that. Uh, what do you think? You know, but he, they don't do that. And then that show, the producer, I'll never forget, when, the first time we went on, he said, just remember this, you don't have to be funny, which was the best thing to say. Because, sure. You know, usually when you go out in those shows, it's like, do I, can I remember the funny lines that I told the, the pre-interview you know, interview person so I can repeat those at exactly the right time when he said, will he ask it? Did he ask that question? We don't, and it's not really fun. And, you know, I don't, it's not spontaneous. And But the interesting thing is because he doesn't even do a monologue. He just comes kind of off the top of his head. I mean, he doesn't have jokes. But I wonder if he'll still be able to do that when they move him down an hour someday because for some reason everything tightens up. You know, right now the best job is where Jimmy Fallon is at that 12.30 on NBC. Everybody loves him, but they used to love Conan. They used to love Dave. Who's ever sitting there behind the Tonight Show has just got it made. Because, because they don't try that hard. They don't. Yeah. yeah. And I, they don't structure it. They're not, not as worried about stuff like that. Yeah. And it's not as unhappy feeling as, as that, you know, like the Ferguson Show just feels everybody has a good time. They genuinely have a good time. He has a good time. Right. He's enjoying himself. He's not worried whether it's going to work or not. There's not like 10 people who think, did that go okay? Is that go okay? Is David, you're there. Which is the feeling you get on most of those shows. But I can't imagine for you, where you are in your career and you have your fans, that if you bomb or kill on a show, it's really going to affect you too much, right? I mean, it's no. not going to suddenly get you into trouble if you don't do well. No. I mean, my, my career is over. <laughs> I really don't have to worry about a career anymore. I'm an icon now. Yeah. 
That's right. No, but it's true. Like I, I, I meet these guys, you know, like, and they go, God, I, when I was a kid, I really loved your stuff, and now I've written seven books. I, this guy's forty, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm old, and like I, I like I remember when when I met Art Buckwald. Who like declined in his later years and probably mm-hmm. should have stopped writing his com before he did. But he was a really great talent in his day. Really nice guy, wonderful guy. And he kind of like was really nice to me. And um, you know, I, I was just so honored to be in his presence and like him so much. And I realized I've sort of become Art Buckwald for a young, you know, this uh, other generation of people who want to write humor comms. And tragically for them, there's no newspaper industry left. Right. You know, but but there is blogging. Um, <laughs> which no, is now there's tweeting. There's really not blogging anymore. <laughs> it's getting smaller it's and tiny, smaller. Uh, it's eventually going to be like something that only has like one you know, letter. <laughs> you know, and it really be. Oh, somebody sent out an H. You know, <laughs> maybe we should just start something called vowels. And we'll be. That's the other funny thing too is everyone's ready for whenever the thing that replaces Twitter starts. You know, so what's the next thing so I can drop this and get in early yeah. on the next one. Well, do you think there's going to be something? Yes, there are always you, is. Are yes. you saying there's something better than Twitter? There is eventually, and I don't know what it's going to be, but you better be there early because that's the people that, you know, got the most followers, whatever. Whoever shows up early for the next thing. I have 18 million followers. Wow. That's, uh, no, that's, that's really good. I don't. Oh, I'm just you, putting that out because it's you, radio. Nobody checks. Yeah. You, you were thinking of Mussolini. He had 18 million followers. I know he's not doing so good. But don't you even hate that name, followers? It's uh, yeah, it's awful. I, well, I, yeah, I'm troubled by the whole idea of, of Twitter, you know. Mm-hmm. But but I know, I mean, in in journalism, which t- technically I'm still involved with, it's slightly become more and more. That's what they do, you know. They they go out and tweet, you know, mm-hmm. grown men and women on, you know, like in the campaign trail, tweeting what Newt Gingrich just said, you know. And I'm thinking, like, I can't, can't really. Is that what you want to do with your life? Just now? tweet it out. Tweet, tweet, yeah. Newt said this, you know. No. no. Well, actually, people are tweeting during movies, at concerts, anything but being in this moment, right. paying so attention. Who is reading what they're tweeting? That's what I don't get. Yeah, I don't know either. Just somebody whose life is even worse. <laughs> I wish I was at that place with my thumbs instead of here yeah. with my thumbs going like this. Okay, like, when people tweet a movie. Yeah. What is that about? You go go see the movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, watch it directly with your eyeballs. <laughs> there probably isn't anything that is as inexpensive that gets as critiqued or talked about as much as a movie. Because if someone acts like I went to see this movie and it was awful, it's almost like they got shot rather than lost ten bucks, you know, and a couple of hours. Uh, which takes me back to lunatics. I really think it's going to do well. <laughs> <laughs> I think you and Zwei Bell are on the subject. Oh, from that segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Swinging around fast. Uh, when do you guys start writing the... Uh, well, we technically have started writing it already, although when we say we, we mean Alan, because right. he's the one who knows how to indent. Yeah. So, I'm not sure what my role in the uh, screenwriting process... I told him what I would do is take half of the money, <laughs> and, um, and we'll see how that works out. Any more books for you guys together? He, or uh, He started saying we're on book tour together. <laughs> now and he he said I think we I think I got some ideas we could do something yeah. <laughs> but I don't know maybe he wants to make a record I don't know really yeah. <laughs> oh no we don't say make a record do we no well wait a minute now when they make a what do they make if it's not a, I know we don't get it on in a record right but we make a they record they it isn't an album because it's not an album no it doesn't album. exist 
Even see, I, I looked over at the guy who's 23, and he, and he doesn't know. know. And he just went, I don't know. We just he's, get it he's for going, free. What the hell is a record? <laughs> yeah. We don't pay anyone. Um, I actually miss records. Don't you miss the fact when an album would come out? And, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but that's maybe just because we're old farts. But I yeah. remember I perceived the world, you know, the, the, the music I can still remember, you know, it, yeah. what the album covers look like, what drug I was taking when I listened to it, you know, that kind of thing. I don't even remember the drugs I wasn't taking <laughs> when I wasn't listening. Uh, but see, I, now, did you do drug columns in your TV thing? Were you able to say, God, the best ha- hash I ever smoked was, or would you have lost an audience for that? No, I would refer to it. Right. I would refer to it. Um, you know, I'd write about listening to Moby Grape. Right. With my, you know, with realizing that I was going to wake up with... Um, with you know the lines from the carpet permanently <laughs> in my cheek from the because Romel RC I, uh, makes it un- impossible to move for like five hours you know like it's a, and the Moby Grape album going over and over but nobody was able to get up and stop it you know <laughs> so, kind of knew it by heart but like, maybe we should change the record but how 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 that happen hey I promise that was, that was back when Romel RCF was Romel RCF yeah now, I believe it's a different thing I do I don't believe they put that whatever that was in there anymore. No. I and if they will, I'll buy it. Yeah. Because <laughs> you talk about stopping a cough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're stopping all muscle movement in your body. I actually saw somebody enjoying that. And they <laughs> went up to the top of a, of a backboard and then went down through the net and just stayed there for a couple hours. <laughs> and I, I was actually, at the time I looked around, I said, I don't think any of us are going to grow up. I think... <laughs> I don't see any of us making out of here. Uh, I want to stress in case any kids are listening yeah. that this is wrong and, yeah, it is and wrong. we regret it. Yeah. We regret it very much. Yeah, we regret all the fun we had and all we'll, those years. We're never going to have that kind of fun again. No. I uh, said some of these people could ask you some questions. Uh. Hello. Hi. Um, okay, so my question is, how did you start writing and what inspires you now? Um, I started writing. I, mean, I always wanted to write. And I got a, a, a really just it was an extension of what I was in high school, which was a wise ass. And I like to make my friends laugh. And when I got to college, um, I wrote little humor essays for my college newspaper, uh, Haverford College. Um, our motto is, "We never heard of you either." <laughs> and, and then um, when I when I got to work and when I left college, I wanted to to write something, so I got a job in a newspaper, and they didn't pay me to write humor, but it was a little newspaper, so they would let you write humor if you want, and they'll let anybody do anything really. The Daily Lawyer, just for the record, this is true. Once ran a headline: "Woman beats off would-be rapist." <laughs> so that was our that was our level of journalism. So I get. That is one way to slow him down, though, huh? <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, whenever I, I so I, I like to do it. What inspires me now is I just like it. I have always liked to write. I like to write. I like to make people laugh. I like to, you know, be entertaining. Um, and I don't really know why that is. But And I don't have any useful skills. So I, I have to keep writing. But I, I still really, really like it. So... Are there people who think, hey, you should do something really dramatic and make people cry and write about murder? Yeah, but you know, and, and I've, I was told that many years when I, when I had a, uh, my column was syndicated in a lot of newspapers mm-hmm. and people would say, well, you know, you have this big audience, why don't you dress real issues? And I always said, well, first of all, 
I don't think I'm qualified for the most part to tell other people what to do about the economy or anything else. But also, there are just a lot of people doing that already. You mm-hmm. know, I'm here to make people laugh. Um, so that's what I want to do. I don't really feel obligated to use it for. To me, it's like if you if you ever go into a performance where. Somebody in the middle, somebody's singing, and then he gets up and starts telling you what he thinks about um, the rainforest. Sure. Fuck I you. Mean, I don't want to hear what you think about it. I, want, <laughs> I want you to sing. That's why you paid. You know, if I want to hear about the rainforest, I'll go to that, you know, to some rainforest thing. So, <laughs> so I always felt pretty strongly that, you know, that's my job is to, is to, be, is to make people laugh, and, and that's what I think I'm good at, and I don't want to do anything else. Uh, next question over here. Uh, Gene Weingarten described your uh, the cover on the Miami Herald with the basketball and yes. the rather provocative pose, and I uh, as one of the biggest mistakes of his career. And I wondered, really, he says that now. Yeah, he say that now. <laughs> I was wondering what your thoughts on it were. Well, I thought it was a mistake at the time, but Gene, Gene was the one who made me do it. Uh, <laughs> and what happened was this is when the Miami Heat had first formed, and that had been in existence for about a year, and then Orlando was starting a a basketball team for the Orlando Magic. And um, we thought it would be fun if I went up to write a... Since neither neither team was ever going to be able to beat another real team in the NBA. <laughs> this one, they were tor- horrible. Um, we, we thought we would start a rivalry in the state of Florida between Orlando and Miami. And there's a natural rivalry anyway between those two cities. Like, so um, I went up and, and wrote this vicious attack on Orlando. Um, in the cover that Gene talked me into doing, I'm saying I'm spinning a basketball on a finger. Guess which finger? <laughs> and 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 that somehow they Gene talked the edit. I was sure when we when they did the photo shoot that it would never see print. You know, as I'm giving the finger with a <laughs> you know in a family newspaper. But for, somehow he talked the editor uh, Janet Chusmer. She, and no, it was not Gene. It was Janet who said that was the only the biggest mistake she ever made. Gene will never regret <laughs> something like that. That's Gene's proudest moment you know <laughs> it's kind of interesting too that you even think a uh, vicious attack on Orlando you know <laughs> <laughs> what have they ever done oh, no I believe I said something along the lines of you know we have absolutely no, it's nothing personal against you know the low forehead nose picking <laughs> yakus of you know <laughs> of, you know Florida is in the news more and more I mean it's, mean more and more? it's always in the yeah, news it's it never always, gets out of the news yeah, it's the strangest place on the planet what what brings that there what happens I have never I don't really I mean you can sort of explain some of it there's like people from all over the country come there and you know there's a lot of tourists there and then there's a lot of but it's hard to explain how just weird Florida gets yeah and Miami Oh, this is a, one of, I could pick many. I'm going to give you one example. Like I this can't imagine this happening in a real city, um, or non weird a city as weird as these two guys are fishing in Biscayne Bay, right in the middle of Miami downtown. They catch a six foot nurse shark. These are two homeless guys. They they get this big shark and they decide they're going to sell it. They're going to get some money. They're going to sell it to a fish wholesaler over by the Miami River, which is like across Miami. They don't have a vehicle, so they decide to take public transportation. <laughs> <laughs> we have a thing in Miami. It's called the People Mover. It's this like, uh, you know, 
unmanned cars that move <laughs> around the downtown and you go up in an escalator and get on and they get on the people mover with a shark and it's not dead it's still alive the shark is still alive. so this and, and I found out about this like a, a, a reader sent me a, an email at the Herald said I'm on the people mover and there's a guy there's guys on here with a shark and it's not dead it's breathing you know and she sent me this this picture so we had a situation where uh People, commuters could have been bitten by a shark on the. <laughs> now, now, tragically, nobody was bitten because that would have yeah. that would have been the best story in the history of the world. But but then it, it, then it, they took the shark and nobody would buy it. They heralded a story on the, of the next day, and so they left it on a street in downtown Miami. There's a shark there, and then they quoted some shop owner who's coming to work, and he goes, "I saw it at first. I was really concerned because I thought it was a body, so I was really relieved to see it was a shark." <laughs> <laughs> it's a shark downtown, <laughs> and that's like that's Miami. That's that's the city I live in. And, and then people wonder where he gets his material. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the name of the book, uh, aptly titled "Lunatics." Dave Barry, everybody. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you, man. Oh, thank you. Dude. Stay back,